3: Sleep. Are you having
4: trouble with yours? I have exactly what you need. Introducing the original next generation Sleeping Duck mattress. It's the luxury mattress that was the highest
3: scoring mattress in a 2018 choice test. Precision designed by aerospace engineers. Trial it for 100 nights or your money back. Order yours now at sleepingduck.com. Dot com.
1: So we are again. We thought we'd go back and do some more uh, gambling stories and ca- stories around casinos and whatever else back pops our up. Back to the bread and butter. Back to the bread and butter. The, the the ageless stuff. Yeah. So Josh is on daddy duties again. So we brought Duncan back in because uh, Duncan the donkey degenerate. He, <laughs> <laughs> when a bit of these stories come out, they
4: just uh, you just we another D moniker every time he comes on. First yeah. was just uh, Dunk the degenerate poker player. Now we got Dunk the donkey degenerate poker player.
1: Well, I, I believe that I'm referring to a. a on name uh, online pseudonym
4: yeah two plus two donk yeah. dunk. donk
1: dunk, donk, there
4: donk. you go i knew it's along those lines
3: i yes. might as well say it before anybody else does right
4: yeah that's the most basic trap you can set
3: yeah it's a donk
4: in your handle
1: exactly right um we are just saying before we press record that uh, you know sharing around the parodies here and i had a, a good story about parody in that my best night ever at crown It's one of those nights nice just things are working and you know you're up on chips and everything's going well and um, it was my turn to shout towards the end of the night, so I got myself a Red Bull and like Dunks, you need a beer. He goes yeah, grab a Peroni. I'm like yeah, grab a Peroni too to the to the waitress. And always pay by chips. If I'm playing poker, I'm paying by chips because yeah. cash stays in the pocket. And uh, was, I remember it because it was eight bucks for a Peroni. I'm like, hey, that's that's rough for a fucking beer. Anyway, you know whatever. We're all good. So anyway, we finish up probably 15 minutes later. I'm counting up my chips. Nine hundred and ninety-three. <laughs> <laughs> that last Peroni cost me the the dime
4: night. The best thing about paying in chips is that you see other poker players just lose their money that they've lost to you for good. Yep, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> those chips are gone. So if you if you're playing again
3: in Vegas, it's even worse because people people are frequently getting table massages. On oh, table yeah. massages I can burn through a hundred bucks in less than an hour Damn. and you're going you motherfucker that's <laughs> yeah. my money that was <laughs> my check <laughs> rose, I paid bitch. for that
1: was that massage good I paid for that there's no happy endings anyway yeah
4: people say poker's supposed to be fun
3: <laughs> what I don't do though Rocksteady is I never pay, use chips to pay for um, drinks or anything at the table yep. I always use cash out my pocket for, for exactly the reason of you fell $7 short that time. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, I've got my rules. So I stick to them. Once it becomes poker money, it's poker money. And, you know, the drinks and that shit and shouting, you know, uh, floozies across the table. <laughs> yes. That's just all part of
4: it. It's the cost of playing poker. It's the cost of playing and poker. When you're trying to clean money, you need to get checks. Exactly right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's ball. It's like,
3: yeah, see these chips? I
1: don't need them.
4: Yeah, I'm good. I'm yeah. easy
1: without them. Um, So we thought if we go straight back into the Mahogany Room stories, there was one that we teased last time that we didn't get to.
4: Oh, yeah. You've got biggest players and then you've got best players. Yeah. So you've got biggest players who will bet the most, but they're never usually there for very long. They usually come and they'll have their maybe two weeks to a couple of months or whatever, and then they'll move on. But um, the one thing that Crown was always known for around the world in sort of high roller circles was that their customer service was the best. Even their facilities always powered in comparison to Vegas and Macau. It was always you can pretty much go to Crown and they'll look after you with the best service and you don't have to tip them, which is always a, an advantage.
1: Now, one thing we, we were always mentioning names, uh, naming names on the last one. Um, yeah. Now, when it comes to a legit billionaire, I'm kind of um, reserved. You mentioning yeah. names?
4: No. Nah. So, Mister X, Mister X will do. Yeah, yeah. And especially I like the guy as well. So, yeah. <laughs> and he lives in Melbourne and he's a good person. And he's one of the players where gambling was his one vice. He didn't. Cheat on his missus, he didn't drink, he just loved cigars and gambling, and that's it. And the first time he came in was unannounced. He just walked in, had some money. Actually, just to get into the country, he had trouble because um, when he was going to customs, they looked at him, looked at him, he was here for, uh, I think it was a couple of months or something, didn't have any money on him, and so they thought he was coming here to work. And so they have looked him, and they've gone, nah, you have to come over, I think you're here to work, so you have to interview with someone. Yep. And he's looking at him, speak no English, and he's like, all right, obviously I'm not here to work. So he's gone to him just one minute, one minute. He's walked over to the tax-free, uh, duty-free um, jeweller yep. and he's bought the biggest diamond they've got. Right. And so he's walked across with this huge diamond going, look, I've got money. I ain't here to work. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm good.
1: All right, paint a picture about Mr. X.
3: Like, um, just in case he- you're worrying he- Heath. Um. I don't know any billionaires, so I won't be calling anybody Mr. Y, Mr. Z, Mr. A, Mr. B. Yeah,
4: so he's a self made, well, as self made as can be in China, I guess. You always need some help from the party, I would imagine. <laughs> so, um. Fans of the
1: Silicon Valley TV show, a legit member of the Three Comic Club.
4: Yeah, 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 exactly. And, like, he, he couldn't lose more than he was making on an hourly basis. Yeah. Basically. Easy. So his interest wasn't making money, it was just having a good time and. He just loved being in Australia. He didn't really spend a whole lot of time in China. And he's from Shanghai as well. And it's almost like, well, I don't know anything about, I've never been to China, but it seems like Shanghai have that particular piece of pride about being from Shanghai and yeah. a little bit of lingo that they have. I don't know. Maybe it's like being from Queensland and having that same bogan accent or something. <laughs> I don't know. But whenever he was there, if there was a waiter from Shanghai, then that was his waitress and they'd come in. And um, so anyway, after he convinced um, Customs that he wasn't here to work, just went and kept receipt, returned the diamond. <laughs> it goes through. But anyway, he walked straight in and um, no one knew who he was. And he's going to walk into what wasn't uh, a private area, but was sort of a private public area, if that makes sense, where it's higher limits. And generally, if you're annoying the player at the table, they might ask you just to go to a different table or maybe they'll open one up for you or whatever. But he had no sort of standing. He just had some cash in, and put it up in his account. And that's all they knew. And apparently he got treated like shit. Right. <laughs> so they just didn't give him any attention, sort of, you know, you don't to be in this area. And so he just made it a point just to go, all right, well, fuck you guys, because I'm here for long haul. I've just bought a house here. Yep. So, you know, you're not going to get rid of me that easy. <laughs> and so I remember for the first maybe three years, he was always the biggest cunt to the staff. Like, always very demanding. Really? Very sort of particular about how he wanted his game dealt. And the thing is, each high roller has their own little idiosyncrasies and how they like the game dealt which way they like the cards turn, whether they like it done fast, slow, yep. whether they want you to squeeze them. And they won't necessarily abide by the rules in a strict sense. So, oh, fuck no. When it comes to the high rollers. Yeah, they yeah, will yeah. well, I play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But for the high rollers, that's the thing. is that They don't stick by the rules at all. If they want to squeeze both sets of cards, you can squeeze both sets of cards. As long as you, know, you squeeze them one at a time and the dealer's got a set of the house cards and then they yep. give the players cards back and give them the house cards, they'll squeeze them. So he made it a point to let them know that he was the man. And eventually, they found out who he was and they're like, oh, shit, shit. <laughs> like, this guy's legit. And so, he'd always get his own salon. And um, eventually, after a while, he became pretty relaxed. And the thing is, he never wins ever. But he always comes back for the service. And so many times, though, that they look forward to him going to Vegas because he'd always win in Vegas. And, and bring so, it back. he'd go over bring to Vegas and then just dump it all back. But um, the one thing that he would do was that being a rich, successful businessman, he understood the value of looking after his employees and things like that. Yeah. And so he'd make a point of looking after the staff that was working for him. And um,
1: When you say the staff working for him, do you mean literally his staff? Oh, no.
4: He'd have his own sort of crew, if that makes sense, where he had the dealer that he liked that knew how to deal to him. And I'm guessing for someone like that, it's a real inconvenience to have to explain to someone new again yep. how to fucking deal with that game. And they also believe in luck as well. So if one dealer just gave him a hiding for the whole time, generally they were gone, they were done. And very Chinese. Yeah, yeah. But also he liked having a fun game. He was very interactive, so which is very rare because most time they're very standoffish, don't want you to talk basically wants you to shut the fuck up and just yeah. deal cards and if they're not good cards and it's your fault you can fuck off yep. but as long as you're having fun and he can see that you're not on his side but you're a decent person and he was very good at assessing people without having to communicate through language if that yep. makes sense um, so I, I was like I was one of his main dealers at the start but they went part time so I was sort of like uh, if I was working on a weekend I'd be in there first change or whatever more yeah. I, was, I was always on deck and um, what he did one time was that We've been giving him lots of, lots of cash and he had a really good time there. I think he might have been down for the trip overall, but it was always there or thereabouts, like winning a little bit or losing a little bit. It wasn't just a complete downhill. So win
1: trend. a little bit or lose a little bit, what does that mean for
4: him? Uh, well, his bets, he would have a... In Baccarat, you've got a differential. So it's not a set bet like Blackjack where they say you can bet 20 to $5 and that's it. They have a differential because Baccarat's a game of heads or tails where um, you've got two sets of cards dealt out um, if it's not in a private room, they're dealt face up in front of the dealer. Yeah. Before the cards are dealt out, you get to bet on which hand you think is going to win. One's called the play hand, and one's called the bag hand. But that's not to mean that the players can only bet on the play hand. Like they can bet on the back hand if they yep. want. And if it's a tie, then it's a push, so you don't lose your money. So it's better odds than betting on black or red on roulette because if zero comes up, then all then the then outsiders lose. Just, yeah. yeah. And the thing that gives casino the edge is that for face up baccarat, which is the ones you play on the main floor. If the dealer wins with a total of six, then you get paid at half price. So you lose. Okay. You won't. You only win half what you bet. Yep. On the high roller rooms, um, banker pays five percent commission on every bet. So every bet the win the bank wins, they get ninety five percent of whatever their bet was. Yeah.
1: So if you bet a hundred, you win one hundred ninety five.
4: Yeah. 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 Exactly. And that's the hardest part for dealers is that when you're looking at that, you've got to work out what five percent is, then minus it off the bet, and then pay it out. And if it's 100 bucks, that's easy. But when it's like yeah. 237,700, yeah. <laughs> it takes a bit of thinking. You don't use like calculators layers at all. And these people aren't patient people. They're not happy to wait. Funny that. So you've got to figure out how to do it straight away in your head and get it right. Because they don't like to wait, but they don't like getting ripped off either, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. Yeah. So most times with him, it was like a couple of strikes and you're out, you're done. And um, anyway, so he finally, after a few years, he's got his crew sorted out. He's got his pit boss that he likes. He's got the game run to how he wants it. And he pretty much paid for the renovation of by himself. And that's like legit, he really did.
3: Was he the one that moved in there and paying for his kids' education?
4: They probably still are, yeah. And they used to be well ahead, yeah. well ahead. So, so there was a story
3: in The Age about the total losses that that gentleman had mm. about two years ago, because he had just gone through the record for, known record for any individual to any individual casino.
4: Yeah, it, um, if that was two years ago, it probably would be him—the guy who originally had that record—would bet a lot. He's, but um, apparently, he was a really, really nice person, and he dumped a fuckload of cash, like a fuckload of cash. And what happened was that, for some reason, his photo ended up on the front page for a, a Crown-related story with where was the president or one of the high up managers for a story related to Crown that wasn't related to him, and obviously being on the front of the Herald Sun. <laughs> That got him really, really nervous, and he never came back. So he he was the holder, and if that's got broken in the last two years, it would have been this guy.
3: So I think the figure was something like, and I'm drag- dragging this from the dredges of memory, but it yeah. was something like seven hundred and forty-two million.
4: Yeah, that'd be that'd be about right. Yeah.
1: So a, a good or a bad day, where we started with that, yeah, it could go you know a couple. Either days. way, yeah. yeah,
4: But but when your your business back home is probably there or thereabouts, and. Yeah. And like he said, his main part was, I want to have fun while I'm here because I don't cheat on my missus, I don't do anything else, this is my vice, this is my one little...
1: He's not trying to make a quit out of it. Yeah, exactly. He's just
4: blowing off steam. Yeah, exactly. And so one time he's he's had a good day, um, sun setting, he's feeling fantastic and he's sitting there and he's like, I'm going to take all you out for dinner. And this is all through a translator as well. He had a a bodyguard, which we actually named Kevin from Kevin Costner, the bodyguard. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) No idea what his name is, but we just called him Kevin. And so then he started calling him Kevin. And he used to always say, this dude was old. He looked like he was about 50, like the bodyguard. He was maybe about 6'2", 6'3". Right. And you look at him and think he's not much. But he'd always say, if you can beat him, you got his job. <laughs> <laughs> so just that was enough for you like, hey, I don't mind dealing cards actually. I'm pretty happy with this, this $25 an hour or whatever it was. And so, yeah, he's gone to the translator up, right, taking you out for dinner, where you want to go. And straight away, in Australia, you're not allowed to take uh, gratuities. So that means tips or tips, yeah. anything. Um, pretty hard to enforce. And pretty arbitrary when they do enforce it, but um, so straight away the pit boss is like, "We're probably not going to be allowed to," but she'll make the phone call just because, especially to these people, you don't say no ever because they're going on loose face. Yeah, exactly. And so it's always passing on someone else, and they'll say no, and they're not directly there, and they can complain about them to you. And so eventually, they've rang up the supervisor who was on, and um, he was a person that was really good at not making any decisions ever still keeping his job <laughs> one of those people that'd like to hide whenever there was any decision to be made
1: i think we've worked in a corporate envir- environment environment
4: 95 percent of people we, yeah that skill. we know a lot exactly. of people yeah yeah and um so i've, I've
1: struggled with that i tend to <laughs> pop, pop my head up all the time
4: yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, so they've um rang him up and he's gone yeah no you can't do that and so they have related to him they've gone yeah sorry you know we're allowed to we're not allowed to take maturities and through his translator and through handsome he looked at looked at the pit boss and he's gone Who'd you, who'd you talk to? And they've told him who it was. And he doesn't know the names of people because I don't speak English. And so he's done an impression of him. And this dude had a, a pockmarked face right. and, and real chubby, <laughs> round cheeks, uh, kind of portly. And so he stood up and done this impression of him, like pointed <laughs> to his face, like the dots on there, real solemn look, and gone, no, was it that guy? And the pit boss has gone,
0: well, <laughs>
4: yeah, it was that guy. And so he's just gone, ah, and he shook his finger. And he's gone, no, that's all right. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and so he's got the the host who was his host. His name's He was a good dude as well. Um, and he's just giving him the hugest spray. And obviously, since he doesn't speak English, the supervisors in there at least had to be one that spoke Mandarin so they could translate what he's saying. Yeah. And so we're sitting at the table, watching him on the couch, give the host a spray, and they're translating it for us. And he's like, all right, he's told us, why do you, I have to look after your staff when you don't? um they've put on a great day for me and you're not even gonna allow me to buy them dinner he goes if you don't allow me to buy them dinner i'm leaving on the next flight to china and i got no doubt that he wouldn't have done that because he might like us but he likes gambling more <laughs> <laughs> but he knew that c- we're not gonna take that risk that he's getting on a flight they're never
1: down. gonna call that bluff yeah there's no there's no upside for
4: exactly him. right and like obviously he knows that he's not silly and so he just sat down with this big shit eating grin, like hung up the phone and gone. <laughs> just wait, just wait, it's all good.
1: It reminds me of um, something Joe Rogan said. Like yeah. when you get to a certain station, like you can have fuck you money, mm. but part being part of that is also you can make fuck you decisions, which yeah. is just you can say yes or no to things just because no fuck you, I don't need it. Yeah, he's there. I yeah. Mean, he that's his life essentially.
4: Yeah, exactly, and. Smart enough to know how to use it without even speaking the language. So, <laughs> like he's very good at understanding people, which I guess is what made him very good at his job. Pretty good at trades too, by the sounds <laughs> of it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and so he's going. All right, just wait. And would have been three minutes. Pit boss gets a phone call back. All right, you can go out to dinner, but you are not to tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, where are we going? Silks. Right, we're not going to silks. We're not going to silks. There's, you know, it's expensive, but it's you know. Not really that good. So we decided <laughs> to go to the teppanyaki place um, downstairs.
3: I thought, uh, if I remember the story, I thought you ended up in the private dining room at
4: number eight. No, it wasn't number eight. It was near number eight, but... Oh, fuck. It's funny enough because I know not a no, restaurant... Not Nobu. No, I don't Nobu. There's another one. It's got like a pebble garden in the middle of it with a fountain. The uh, thing is, I never called it by its name because I knew the head chef. He now actually is head chef of McLaren, and he travels with okay. them around okay. for the F1 circuit. I feel like it starts with... El Coco, Coco's. That's the one that begins with L. Yeah, yeah. L L K. I was L- in the L- neighbourhood. It's a Mexican place called El Coco. <laughs> El Coco. El Coco. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so we've gone. Now we're going to Coco. It's good. We're go to see Jimmy down at Coco. And Jimmy, Jimmy, who used to be the chef at Coco, who's now the chef for McLaren F One team, I was working there. And he was someone that I always saw on my breaks, and he loved a bet. And so he'd bet on AFL, and he bet on F One. And so we always had a chat. Yeah. And so I've gone. Yeah, we will go see Jimmy. He's a good bloke, and we we'll do some teppanyaki or whatever it was and so they gone. alright they ring down for reservation and in Coco they've got two private little salons with sliding doors and it's got your own little teppanyaki chef in there actually got two where they would be back to back and bench seating mm-hmm. yeah. and um, so he rang down and going yep um, Mr. X is coming in for dinner with I think it was like 20 people or whatever big our staff was at that point point. and they've gone oh actually the salons are full and so they have going hang out the phone going oh, sorry the salons are full you know gotta go somewhere else and he's looked at him again, shook his finger, no, <laughs> no, nah, nah, not today. And so he's rang up uh, his host again, yep. giving him the hugest rain <laughs> again. Poor <laughs> was having a pretty shit day <laughs> when he cops it a lot in these stories. <laughs> and so we've sat down, we're like, all right, how's this one going to play out? And so through the translator again, all right, he's he's got to put him through to the manager of Coco, and he's told them to go and ask the people in the salon that if they can finish up, uh, I think it was eight thirty. And the time now was seven o'clock. Right. He goes that, that he'll pay for their meal, and so
1: so he's given him one of the one of the expensive restaurants in Crown. Yeah. In the expensive part of the expensive <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Given him an hour and a half to say, yeah. rack
4: up your bill. Yeah. I'll pay for your meal. And these people must have been thinking, is this for real? Like this is almost like finding a lotto ticket or something. Yeah. And so of course they've gone yes. All right, we'll do that. <laughs> Show me the wine list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Bring it on. But there must be.
1: I'll like, look at the right-hand column for a change.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Show me the wine list and get rid of those fucking buy-the-glass shit at the front. <laughs> the thing is,
4: I wish we had a cross-pass with these people as they were leaving or something, so I could ask them, what, what did you guys think when that phone call came through? Because there must be some part of you that's hesitant, like, this is this a trap? Like, is yeah. there a point where it's going to be gonna too much? Am going to run up a 12 grand yeah. bill and have to exactly. put out credit card? Yeah. As, of course, they wouldn't have known that this dude doesn't give a fuck. He just wants that space. That's it. Price, don't care. And so, eventually, we filed down there. Yep lo and behold, it's empty. We've got Jimmy there, and he's off And And um, we sat down, and generally, you've got your hosts, and you've got your head of host, and they'll they'll sort of pop in to see how their player's are doing. But when they're gambling, generally, they are gone missing. All of a sudden, with a free meal on the table, <laughs> we've got us, the dealing staff, the supervisors, and all of a sudden, all the hosts and the head of um, concierge or whatever the blowjob givers are <laughs> <laughs> that's what hosting is hosting is giving out blowjobs really in a metaphorical sense and sometimes, sometimes in a literal yeah, sense well. I'm guessing and so they come in and sat down and as soon as they sat down obviously we know we're doing something wrong already because we're not allowed to get gratuities yeah. and they're like superiors to us according to them and so
1: you're out of uniform
4: at least yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and they're in uniform actually so yeah fuck those cunts <laughs> <laughs> and so Surf me bitch yeah so all of us have just quieted down and we're sort of just sitting there eating our food and they're trying to run the conversation, and so he's gone to <laughs> again. <laughs> he's pulled him aside. And he's like, shh, shh, shh. And so we're going, all, right, "All right." And Mickey, who brings a new meaning to the word
3: Chinese whispers. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so Mickey- by the time he got back to you, what did it fucking translate to?
4: <laughs> well, actually, uh-
1: uh, no. I think I think when he whispers, the message gets across.
4: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the thing is, so gets up. He goes. He has a whisper to the the bosses, and like they've just lit up cigars, just ordered their whatever single malt they were drinking and all of a sudden you see them put their cigars out they get up and they're walking out and we're like what's going on here and he was a supervisor who could translate for us he's like asked f- what's going on he Goes, "Oh, he told him that um he doesn't want to be here but he didn't want to tell him straight out to himself and so he's told me to tell him more or less to just fuck off and so as soon as they're walking out they shut the sliding doors and all of a sudden he hand on the table stands up and he goes in english bosses out! <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, the fuck is going on here? Because we've understood any of these conversations going on. All we've seen is, we've sat down, the bosses have come, they've ate, drank a little bit, and then they've got up and walked out. And he's grandstanding about it. What the fuck? And he's gone, he sat down, he's gone, I can see that, obviously you're a bit disturbed by these people being here and you couldn't really be yourself. And to be honest, I only come here for you guys. Those guys, I didn't even fucking like. <laughs> so, so I told him to fuck off and leave us alone. It we were like sweet and so for the rest of the night we sat down we would have been there until maybe 11.30 12 o'clock like they'd finished the restaurant was yep. empty and after we finished our main courses which was had to be at least seven, eight courses and it was yep. everything like abalone was a fuck ton of scampi prawns and anything whatever you want to drink is like I don't care how much you spend what you want to drink just have fun for once because it's the only time you're going to get to do it probably yeah and so the bill we racked up for that meal was 26 grand. Wow. 26K of What did food, you treat alcohol. yourself to drink? Oh, fuck. Who knows? I <laughs> don't even know. They brought out things and they went, this? And I said, yes, <laughs> <laughs> every time. So I know the whiskey was awesome, but the wine they brought out was amazing. But don't not, I don't know much about wine, so I don't know which one it was, and I can't remember now. But um, You're
3: knocking back the Louis Trez brandies. Did you probably, ask me if yeah. you could do takeaway?
4: <laughs> so the is, they actually gave him takeaway because at the end of the day what they did was they because um, obviously you got teppanyaki so yeah, yeah. you'd be cooking everything on the same hot plate and they made a fried rice and mixed up all the scampi heads and mm-hmm. crushed them all in there and then they made him his fried rice and like yeah you can have that later on or in the morning because he only sleeps about four hours and yeah. they might get up and play and then he'll have something to eat and I don't know I don't even know what he does but um So they gave him a takeaway fried rice in his little plastic container they took back to his room.
1: (laughs) That's what he got for his 26 grand.
4: Yeah, he was stoked. He was stoked. But (laughs) the thing is, not only the 26 grand, whatever, the people before that were in there had like an hour and a half to just load up and buy whatever they want. So it wasn't just 26 grand. It was whatever they spent as well, which is amazing. It's more than us.
1: He gave these people, you know, an hour and a half to basically see what they could do. Like um, the restaurant equivalent of supermarket sweepstakes. Yeah. Yeah. And I reckon he still might have beat them. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the end bill.
3: Yeah, definitely. And he wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Nah, no, yeah, not. Would not have batted an eyelid.
4: Because especially when you're... Anything that's in the complex, you can pay for with chips or um, reward points on your cards. On your mm-hmm. cards, yeah. And so the thing is with um, interstate and international players, they offer them incentive programs. And that's why you'll see commission play chips. I don't know if I explained it on the last podcast, but in a nutshell, yeah, what it is for every bet, you'll get a percentage back. And the percentage is, is small by on paper so it might be for every bet you get 0.0005 back and that's but it adds up that's fuck all for a five dollar bet yeah but these people can bet up to 600 grand a hand and a lot do for if, long periods of time long yeah. periods of time and that's what, that's what i mean they stay there for your entire shift they're there before you start and they're there after you leave and they'll do that every single day that you're working you might do a six day stretch and that's just every day that's what you see well,
1: I was thinking when you started talking about Mr. X, like, essentially this is just his video games. Yeah, that's uh, exactly He's not right. into Call of Duty. Yeah. He's into Call of Blackjack.
4: Yeah, pretty much. I'll call or it Baccarat. baccarat. Yeah. That's all he plays is Baccarat. Smokes cigars, plays Baccarat, has a great time doing it. But um, the other thing is he also bought a house here. Like, all his kids are educated here. Um, bought a house in Turak, of course. But so he had,
1: kids? Plural? Yeah. Yeah, so that's why he's not in China. I, yeah.
4: At this time, I was actually going to uni. Believe me, I checked my, my class list for anyone with his last name. <laughs> like, anyone. <laughs> I was like, please, please. So, um, yeah, he, he had a house in Turak and it was one off a corner. Yep. And obviously it's a big place. And so when he flattened it and was getting it built, what he did is he got his um, architect and designer to go around to all the casinos that he frequents, which is like the Bellagio in Vegas is mm-hmm. one of his favorites. And anyone that had an interesting design they liked, he rang up the casino and was like, look, I've sent some people over, give them my room that I stay in. And so, they, of course, they're like, all right, sweet, yeah, done. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so all he did is he got them to look at the designs he's pointing out and then replicate them in his own home. Wow. But But to the point where, obviously, you can imagine what sort of respect he demands in a place like China, especially where workforce have zero rights yeah. compared to Australia, where we're pretty fucking lazy and, you know. We do all uh, right. Yeah. yeah. And our effort is pretty much determined by reward. (laughs) And so he's looked at the job that some of the um, laborers have done and he's trying to tell him, he's like, look, this one's not quite right. You know, it's not quite the right color or whatever, but I want to change. And gets word back from the boss, Nut, this is exactly what you asked for. This is what it is. You know, so we're not going to fix it up. And so what he does, he goes home, gets a hammer, smashes the fuck out of that wall. and goes, (laughs) well, now it needs to be fixed. (laughs) So if you're going to fix it, you may as well do this. (laughs) And uh, when he was extending his, his house, He's tried to buy the house next to him on the corner. Yeah. And this person just wouldn't sell. He's like, Look, I'll give you fucking anything. I don't care. Like, whatever yeah. it is, you can buy the house across the road, live in the same neighborhood. I don't give a fuck. I just want that one because he wanted to build a uh, little putting ring. like playing golf as well. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, like golfing Celine Dion.
3: That's, that's, that's actually quite cold, isn't it? I want to yeah. buy your house because
4: I want a putting ring. Yeah. Yep. But speaking of cold, the dude held out. So what he did is he bought the house next to that guy on the other corner of the block right? and just boxed him in on that corner. Beautiful. And built all the way around him, so this dude has this to, to him make chip shots wherever he fucking wants. And you can imagine in Turak, he's not going to get bothered too much by anybody. Right. Like I'm pretty sure he's blocked quite big, and he would have made his putting green right next to this door dude's <laughs> fence you know, just to piss him off. And so the thing is, once he finishes, or once this guy has had enough and leaves, he's going to have like a par three in Turak. <laughs>
3: I remember uh, one of you guys i think heath you relaying another story from brenton about another one of the high rollers in the mahogany room receiving a phone call from his wife saying are you coming home for tea or i thought you were coming home for tea and he said yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'll be i'll be home in an hour um and he got off the phone and said quick you need to get me the plane I've got to be home in an hour. Where do, yep. you, li- where do you live? Gold Coast.
4: Yep. <laughs> I do remember that dude. He was actually um, pretty synonymous with having a little uh, lawsuit. Oh, okay, I know you. Yeah, I I
1: don't know the guy, but I remember it being in the papers ever, yeah. a lot. Yeah. And,
4: and that was see. This is this is my favorite part of working in casinos was being in the private salons because whenever that salon, whenever the player was in the state, your salon had to be open, so it had to be manned and that table open because they're only ever a helicopter right away yep. and you don't want to make them wait that all changed when they restructured and they started to spread their stuff thin and customer service really suffered from that but at that point that's that's what the the rule was and um, this guy he had a property so I'm pretty sure he had a property scam in Queensland but my favourite part was being in the salons when the players went in there with the old school boys like the supervisors who never wanted to be pit boss yeah. they were just the old school dudes who were working seniors their whole life and we sit there and just tell stories. Since I was new, I didn't have a whole lot of stories, so I would just <laughs> listen. And stories about this dude were the favorites. Like, everyone loved doing this guy because he was fucking hilarious. Yep. But the whole time, he was planning to sit you up. The thing is, the staff, the staff on the floor, they didn't give a fuck. Like, they're in the same boat as everyone else, you know. They're they're like, getting everyone was clocking
1: yeah. in. You just want your shift to go without, um, exactly. without incident.
4: Yeah, and so what they do is they um, told him that you've got a jet whenever you want it, and so his missus thought he was working in, in Gold Coast that day. And he'd be like, no, nah, all right, get the fucking plane ready, guys. I'm coming <laughs> down, all right? And so he'd fly down he'd start playing. And even his missus was there. She'd want to go do tourist stuff and, you know, have like a romantic weekend. And so they'd be in the hotel and she'd wake up in the middle of the night. Fucking, where's he gone? And <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, she'd come down and you'd hear a knock on the salon. And all of a sudden, he's like, everyone, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> And so the whole salon would have to stay there quiet until she left. And the thing is, she'd walk away, and then she'd sneak back. Yep. And all of a sudden, banging the door, like, oh, fuck. What the fuck do you want, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and so the staff are like, holy shit. And she'd come in, and they just go at it. Like, just, fuck yeah. it, I'm losing a million fucking dollars and you're fucking asking me about not being in bed asleep. Fuck
0: it. Fuck, fuck this shit.
4: <laughs> and then in the morning, he'd be like, all right, all my commission, which is what I was talking about for with the CP chips, the rebate that you get yep. for every bet. Um, he'd always get his in cash in a brown paper bag. And so in the morning, that's when he'd make his apologies. Yeah. And so he'd have the brown paper bag with his commission, which would be about 90 grand, 100 grand, sitting on the table. But, oh, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so take this, go shopping for the day, treat yourself. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) Come back. Oh, what'd you you buy? I bought a BMW. A BMW? We're cashing the fucking jet back. Do you think (laughs) you fucking put a BMW in the bottom of a jet? What the fuck went to a BMW? (laughs) That's that's
1: why I'm glad I don't have money because my wife, she'd be doing shit like that.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, so that was my favourite stories was listening to, especially here. He was a favourite of um, all the staff because he was hilarious to play with and he was someone that you knew you'd never be strict with which is very liberating for deals where you can just be yourself. And for the most part, guys like that, there's not a whole lot of difference between you and them except a couple of million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's yeah. Cash. yeah. You're generally the same type of cunts. So.
1: Yeah, it's good, especially when they're the self made guys. They tend to be the ones that are more fun and or liberal with it.
4: Yeah. And especially if there's been a little bit of dodginess and how they got wealthy, that's just straight up the casino's alley. You no, know what I mean?
1: I'm going to say, I think that goes part and parcel with being wealthy. And, always... and being a gambler, right? Yeah, and been and, a and a being gambler. in yeah. casinos. You gotta have a little bit of dirt
4: about you.
3: So you said he was planning to stitch yeah, up. Yeah, because he recorded
4: conversations about them putting the jet out there, and he had everything documented from the get go. So he knew if things go bust, I've got a little backup yeah. plan. And the thing is, everything he said is legit. Like, of course, they completely enticed him to gamble. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's no ifs, buts, or maybes about that. But apparently- so he was,
3: his stitch up was wanting to set a scene that he could claim that he'd been induced to gambling so he got the money back again.
4: Um, so he, he wanted to set up a that was the a idea.
3: theory that he was free rolling.
4: Yeah, he wanted to set up a theory that he was an addicted gambler and they were actively um, sort of...
1: Violating the responsible gambling. Yeah,
4: which, I mean, <laughs> their responsible service of gambling is a fucking joke. Like, those people, they're water waiters, is what we used to call them, because any problem, they bring them a glass of water, that's it take time out and yeah. go back into it. Like response right. service gambling just doesn't exist at all. So it's kind of arbitrary to pick one case out and go, yeah, that's where you're irresponsible because irresponsible are responsible to everyone. That's yeah. why the place exists. Otherwise, yeah. no one would be there. Yeah.
1: Because I do remember being in the paper because in uh, all these details were, were coming out. Um, and I remember they mentioned like that the staff that were involved were the ones that kind of essentially copying it. But, all they do is just rotate them through. And out, you go out the back for a little while.
4: Yeah. Oh, the thing is, a lot of times they'll put shit on staff, but the staff that he, he liked, liked him, if it makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. A, a lot of them were the old fellas. Like, I remember the, there's an old Italian dude, and he, his name is Champ. That's just what everyone called him. Champ. Champ. Because he's a fucking champ. Like, he was a throwback to the old school Vegas days yeah. of, of running casinos. Where, uh,
1: Sorry, it reminds me. I remember you, Dunk, saying once that uh, your goal in life was to be known as Gov.
4: Guff.
3: How yeah. are you doing, it's Guff? V- yeah. It's very, very London. But yes. yeah, I would die happy
4: if people started calling me Guff. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No. <laughs> Both of those things. But <laughs> dying happy. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so th- those old school guys are right up my alley. They're the people that I love sitting there and just listen to those stories. And they, they'd always talk about him like in very familiar and warm tones. Because it's those stories that make your job there worthwhile. Exactly. It never sucks at the time. They're the ones that you remember afterwards, and they the get ones... your positive memory from the experience. Exactly, even as bad at the time.
1: It's like any customer-facing role. Like, I remember we yeah. had that same type of people working in a video store. <laughs> yeah, slightly less scale of dollars. Yeah, that but... they're putting over the counter, but
4: but still, it's just as interesting as watching um, judging people on their video watching habits.
1: Uh, I used to love the guys because like video stores all had their own deals, and ours had like eight weeklies for eight bucks. Yeah, so it'd be funny the the bloke that comes in by himself and you get like five pokemon movies and fucking i don't know what you know five kids and then slip in three pawns yeah like, well so single, single dad yeah yeah well I, I don't know if any of those pokemon movies got watched at all if it was just a, you know because there's always be like two kids movies on the bottom then one pawn then two more kids and then yep. another, so they're always stuck in like that yeah the worst of it was because this is back in the vhs days was when they come back and they haven't rewound yeah and they're, like halfway through and you're like there yeah right there that's
4: where it happened that was the shot and the worst, I remember the, when I saw the video easy as well, there was one lady who would come in on Thursday nights and she was like a grandma, but she was like six foot one or something. Like right. She was huge. And every Thursday night, 10 to 10 before we shot, she did the obligatory walk around the new releases, walk around action adventure, down through the kids and, oh no, I'll just get a couple of pawns tonight. Yeah, yeah. Every single Thursday.
1: Like, go through the whole yeah. charade.
4: It's like, sweetheart, it's me and you here. Like, <laughs> I ain't watching anything else. Like, I'm watching you do this every single Thursday. Like,
3: if I'd been in the video store and the same guy was coming in for his eight, eight movies for eight bucks, weekly special, five Pokemons and three porn. I'd have been swapping the cassettes in one of the Pokemon, <laughs> and then watch him come back the next week and go that his kids were not impressed with Pokemon this week.
4: Or maybe he was just more turned on by Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and his kids—they're yeah. filthy. Just in case that fails, you know, I got a backup plan.
3: The real, the real porn was his fluffer movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to
1: warm up. <laughs> I never bothered me with the guys um, renting porn because that was the, the main key selling difference between Video Easy and Blockbuster because Blockbuster didn't have it. Oh, we're, really? Where Video Easy did, so yeah. that's why they came into us. No problem, no issues at all. It's when they, give them, they bring them back and give you reviews. That's I <laughs> like. Yeah. We had more than a few blokes um, do that one. And we're like, yeah, cheers, guys. Now, <laughs> oh, I've got to go dust some shelves.
4: So We had one dude who, and you'd probably know him from the town we grew up in. They were... I know who it is already. Let's yep. say,
1: a few chops short of a Barbie. Yeah,
4: yeah. The IQ would have been very, very small. But one of them was a bit smarter than the rest, and he could play up his retardness if that's even a fair thing to say. <laughs> I don't know. His, his handicapped, thats what I'm looking for. Yeah. And so he'd play it up in the general public, but when he talked to you, like you could see, like he knows what's going on. Yeah. And so he'd come back and give you a review on the porny watch just because he knew how disgusted you were by it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, he's big, huge, fat bloke. And um, he had this real high-pitched voice. And so we're sitting there, real quiet. And I'm hear, Yeah, Brendan, the girl in this one had little wings tattooed above a fucking pussy. You wouldn't fucking believe it, mate. <laughs> one, of my, one of my highlights of working there was one time he was giving me this review and I was playing with a rubber bands in my, in my fingers. I like, was right. just twirling around and going, Oh, yeah, that's cool, Russell. Yeah, cool. And it's He's come off. Russell, was he? Was yeah, was Russell, Russell. I'm pretty okay. sure I was listening to this, this uh, podcast. <laughs>
1: he, he he, It's from Broken Hill. He'd be dead by now.
4: Yeah, Probably. <laughs> and I've accidentally, it's come off my finger, it's accidentally flicked him right in the eye <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've looked at him and I've gone and so I've tried to laugh and he's just squeals going, bah! and chased around the store. And so, <laughs> the worst thing is if anyone's watching this there's no way they're going to give me credit for not being the biggest cunt being chased around the store by a mentally handicapped man laughing my ass off
3: it just sounds like a scene from Benny Hill now yeah. doesn't it it was pretty uh, much that's like exactly
1: that exactly what was through to my mind the CCTV with the uh, uh, Yakety Sax playing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep yep oh, good old video stores thing.
3: Going back to the gambling stuff and um, Mr X and Gold Coast Man and what you can get away with if you've got money. I know it's not quite the same league, but a couple of guys I know had a stag weekend in Vegas last year, so about 18 months ago. Um, And they got through 250k between about eight of them so it's, it's a lot of money but it's not Mr X money yeah but even that amount of money they they did some things that only money will allow you to get away yep. with so have um, they seen the
1: hangover and thought it was a yeah a it was a little bit
3: of that the, yeah. so they drew. They stole a golf cart and drew, drove it through the casino floor of the Cosmopolitan, <laughs> blowing whistles. Of course. And nobody stopped them. <laughs> they also had a fight in the Bellagio fountains, and nobody stopped them. Now That's I don't know awesome. how nobody stops them unless there's words go through No, no, you got to leave them alone. They've got money yeah, type yeah. of thing. But they they did such sort of things that could you can only get away yeah. with if you're spending a lot of cash
4: then again generally the first thing you do in that situation is you ring surveillance because they're the security hub so right. they're the ones that direct the security forces where to go and what to do and so for the supervisors you've got a duress button on your screen there so that'll go straight to surveillance who'll um, put the message out to security and they've got to be able to get anywhere in the casino within 30 seconds wow so that's got to be the response time and so but yes um, surveillance works as a security hub. So, it probably go through surveillance first and they've got that intel about who's who and whatnot. Yeah. And they'd probably sort out and say, mm, Yeah Let just leave those guys alone. Yeah.
3: Make yeah. sure they don't drown or make sure they don't run over a customer. Exactly. That, and okay. they do
4: the sort of their cost analysis, like what are yeah. they worth and what are we gonna get out of them and what's the damage you're really gonna be. Yeah, exactly.
3: One of the guys of that stack do, um, got married. Um, so like that they, night, uh, that trip. So they hooked. Damn. But it wasn't him that was getting married. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't, <laughs> his or it was wasn't what he his said. It wasn't <laughs> So they hooked up with a bunch of Canadian girls, and um, on the first night, and he woke up after what was going to be a quiet first night with one on each arm in his bed. <laughs> um, but I think the next night he married one of them. You know, a traditional Vegas wedding. Yep. Elvis and all that. Um, so when I was talking to him about it, he was um, we we're talking about something else and saying. Um, where's he going to go for his 40th? I said, what well, about Canada? Because we we'll, yeah, yeah. went through a few countries. He goes, no, I can't go there. Why can't you go there? My wife lives there. <laughs> well, what do you mean your wife lives there? Well, you've got a girlfriend now. What are you going to do about that? Are you Are going to get married to her? Well, I am. Um, <laughs> and I'm just hoping that no one knows. Why don't you divorce a girl in Canada then? Uh, well, I don't actually know her surname. Right. Or where in Canada she may be. So... I've had a good time. That's awesome.
1: You know they give him a certificate or something? Yeah. He just could, couldn't well, read um, the handwriting. I guess so,
4: but he's <laughs> probably only got a Facebook address. <laughs> the thing is, if you can lose your wife, you can probably lose that certificate. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it, it does happen. And does to be happen. fair, she's probably living in Australia somewhere. She's <laughs> <Well, laughs> yeah, yeah. happy keeping that arrangement.
3: And I think um, her boyfriend at the time, or whether they're still boyfriends or girlfriend or whatever, <laughs> was uh, an ice hockey player. So I don't, think, Jesus, right. I don't think my mate actually wants to get too close to find out if they're yep. still yeah. There. yeah,
4: fuck that shit man
1: <laughs> yeah I was, you're gonna say it, to be honest you know call me old fashioned but marrying some other bloke that's a deal breaker for me yeah, in a yeah. relationship you think? I, I'm gonna call yeah. it off there yeah
3: you think they've made a mistake that's
4: you know the unrecoverable
1: <sighs> oh you know if it was a classy wedding you
4: know, <laughs> and it was especially oldest. if you haven't
1: been invited I mean that's really the nail in the coffin
4: and I mean you really look at the gifts first and then judge <laughs> and doing, how are you are gonna make out with this
1: yeah
4: I got remarried by in Elvis
3: by Elvis
1: I was going to say I knew that you yeah. yeah. Did you, for yeah.
3: So ten year, our 10 year anniversary went and got remarried by Elvis and it was it was awesome yeah of course it was um, it was fantastic and it, you, you did it to be as cheesy as possible of course yeah. so I had a pair of shorts and a beer stained t-shirt and my wife had the full showgirl outfit and the bridesmaids were my best mate and his partner yeah. um, in full drag walking, <laughs> walking through the, one of them's you know my shape he's five foot eight tall and six foot wide. Yeah. Um, and the other one's about six foot four tall. So those two walking through Wynn in, um, <laughs> in full drag was quite entertaining. And high heels, quite entertaining. I
1: was going to say, quite entertaining, but not out of place.
3: Yeah. But oddly, it got a couple of glances, but no one really stared. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. No one gave him a tip. No. They've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, they've seen that before.
4: The main table. Yeah, a lot of times I found, like, I liked working on the main floors because... They were generally the places where you had no idea what was going to happen on any given night. Like anything could happen on any given night. Um, And I started off working at Adelaide Casino. And the good thing I liked about that was that it's a smaller casino. And so the news of what's going on like through the whole floor travels a lot quicker. And so there wasn't anything that happened in the casino that you didn't know about on a given night. And you can have a lot more fun on the the floor as well. Like even little things that I don't know if I said it last podcast where... They had like a pokey jackpot going on where there was a major jackpot, right? And it was it was from a sign that spun from the roof, okay. And the major jackpot was I think between thirty and a hundred grand or something like that, one hundred twenty grand. And then there was a minor jackpot which is between a hundred and a thousand dollars. And so the minor jackpot would go off, maybe if you're lucky once a shift, yeah, kind of like that. But the the major jackpot would go off maybe once every three, three four months something like that, and you'd see it slowly build up, and um. When, when the jackpot would go off, it would play a song. Like It will cut out all the music and everything and it would be like, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's the jackpot. Right. And so when you're in the blackjack pits in what was pit two, if you had a good supervisor, what he'd do is he'd go down the, the row of dealers and he'd have bets on where the minor jackpot was going to go off. And he'd have like a $5 leeway. Okay. So if I picked um, 125, I'd have about 127 to or 123 to 127. Yeah. Well, that's sort of leeway. And so, then if, if you won when that jackpot went off, the rest of the dealers have to buy your beer. Okay. And especially at a casino where just about everyone would go to the pub after a shift because it was just across the road and a lot less, a um, lot easier to travel places because you've got the train station right underneath you, you've got a taxi rank right at the front, and public transport. It was a bit easy to get around there. <coughs> and so, you'd always bet everything for beer, so you're allowed to have that sort of fun. Um, another thing was you play bureaus, um, where if you're in the roulette pot of four, four dealers, you'd find your mate, he'd be like, all right, if I spin zero, you've got to buy me a beer. If you spin zero, I'll buy you a beer. And so what you do is, whenever you'd hit the zero, you'd yell out, "Bero," Right. So you go, Biro! And then you'd see them behind it and go, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> but the worst part is is when no one was betting on it. Right. Because you're trying to spin zero and you're really fucking excited because you've just won a beer. And everyone's lost. And so you've got to put the dolly on it. Yep. And the dolly is like the little plastic marker that Marks which which number came up.
3: And there's no chips. yep
4: and so you're going beer oaks, <laughs> and you pick your dolly up, and you're like, oh shit! And as you're doing it, you can feel everyone looking at you. You're going, and, you cut. Yeah, and you can see them seeing how sheepishly you're putting this number on there because they got no idea what's going on. To yeah. them, it looks like you've just cleaned them up and you're happy as fuck about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you put it down like, holy oh, shit! And then you've got to try to explain to them. Yeah, no, no, I just want a beer
3: doesn't help yeah. it Doesn't help. I've hey, just lost a hundred bucks yeah. so you've won a beer yeah. why don't you go fuck yourself
4: but also the other thing is you'll see a lot more people trying to cheat on, on main floors yeah, of course which is always interesting and I one of the favourite ones was um, on the Baccarat pit the maple room in Crown the very first table when you walk in is a hundred dollar table which was the highest limit table in, oh, in that room on the main, yeah. highest differential table and right near the entrance of that pit and what would happen every now and then was that you'd get a, a packed table, and um, if people were going to cheat, lots of ways to do it. But one way that kind of became popular for a while was, lots of people would pool all their money when there was a long run of baccarat, a long run of players or bankers on baccarat, and they put their bet down, and they'd have someone ready that who wasn't sort of obviously in on the bet. That if it won, sweet, they got their money, cool, keep on playing. But if it lost, he'd just grab it off the layout and just bolt before you got a chance to do anything and in a packed room like that and I mean to be fair just about everyone there is Vietnamese so it's really fucking hard to pick him out and so it was like the greyhounds it was like the rabbits got released from the fucking cage because he'd bolt and all of a sudden security was be chasing through the pokey area and so he see this one little dude just bolting in between the pokey area followed by um like five or six securities, and it was like those old school cartoons where you see the hallway with all the doors on the left to right hand side. Right, and the one opens going in one door, out the other door, popping the heads out.
1: And so, have you ever seen the remake of the Thomas Crown Affair? It's when they uh,
4: they made a remake of that piece of shit.
1: Well, the one with um, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, there you go. So there was one originally, that, so but... the remake
4: was the piece of shit. Yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, where they put he puts on the bowler hat when they're disappearing yeah. around, and, yeah, yeah, same same sort of shit. Yeah.
4: Another thing is that I remember. An old lady flashing me on one of her first days of working at Crown Casino. And not like a good, nice, attractive lady at all. Oh, no. And not, so. not any context to it. I'm just sitting there, shuffling my cards. And she's walking past the background. Just looks over me in a movie or whatever. Pulls a tip down. Keeps on walking. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Does that just happen? Like, what the fuck was that deal? Well,
1: if you can't accept tips...
4: Well, the funny thing Except was... Except tits. Yeah. The funny thing is, it wasn't the first time. I when I, worked, <laughs> when I worked in Adelaide and this is, I swear to God, this is a true story. I could even remember, I would be able to find out the date because it was a mate's birthday. But one Wednesday night, I'd finish my day shift and one of my mates was like, oh, it's on birthday day, you want to go have a beer? I so, all right, I'll have a beer. And um, it was just across the road from Adelaide Casino and I lived in North Adelaide just off O'Connell Street and so I'd always walk home along King William Street then down um, O'Connell Street and so this... One day, I'd always have my iPod in, because I just had my iPod when I was going everywhere, and walking home, listening to some tunes, and I've got to the part where King William Road goes through a little curve before it gets to the Adelaide International Hotel at the start of O'Connell Street, and I've noticed this car pull up next to me, and so I've sort of noticed it's sort of my eye, and it's gone next to me, and the passenger side window's down, and I can see someone looking out at me, so obviously they're trying to get my attention. Yeah. So the first thing I think is, they want directions. So, uh, all right, so I start walking over to the car, take my iPod out. And there's a, girl, a lady in there, and she's like, "Oh, excuse me, you look like you're pretty busy. Like you're on a bit of a mission. You're walking." And I was like, "Oh, I just finished work, and you know, just trying to get home, whatever." And she's like, "Oh, sorry, I just need a favor." I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, it's no worries, whatever." And she pulls down the front of her top. And she goes, "I want you to come on these for me." Wow. Oh. And I've just looked at her, and it just didn't compute properly. <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, fuck it. "Directions to where, love?" Yeah, I went. <laughs> sorry, sorry, what? And she looked at me like I'm fucking stupid. And she's gone. I want you to come on my tits. And I just didn't know what to say. And so the first thing that came in my mouth was, why? <laughs> <laughs> and she's looked at me, obviously not prepared for this question. She's like, oh, you know, just because, just because I love it. And I'm thinking, I'm not buying this. And so And the thing is, there's bushes behind me. And so I'm slightly having a look behind like, just to make so sure. I you're about to get jumped. Yeah, someone's going to whack me in the back of the head. And then I'm looking to see if I can see a camera lens or something. Like yep. this is a, like a, <laughs> a Fucking prank came camera TV or show or something like that and so then I decided alright we'll how do we get out of this and obviously as a 21 year old kid this is like porn status stuff he's not ever prepared to this happen in real life <laughs> and so I've lied to him, I've gone oh actually I've got a boyfriend so I've got a girlfriend so <laughs> yeah I will, either or would have probably worked probably would have been off I was going
1: yeah. to say that's a good move yeah
4: so I'm like, I've got a girlfriend she's like sorry I've got a boyfriend you know it doesn't mean anything it doesn't matter I just, just really want you to come on my tits <laughs> and so I've gone yeah, it's not gonna happen. Hey, and she just looked at me like, really? And I'm going. Yeah. Was she young, old, good looking. Big she, tits? Was, she was. She She had fucking cracking tits. <laughs> and the thing is, she wasn't. She wasn't ugly. She wasn't like the hottest chick you ever seen. But she could have easily gone to any place on a Friday night, bought a guy a drink, gone. Hey, you want to just get out here and you know, do whatever, and yeah. would have had no problems. I remember. Cause I remember what she looked like. She was tan skin, had like ringlet brown hair. She had a like a pale green singlet top on and the car was like a silver kind of Astra thing something like that
1: what was the license plate number
4: did not look back to your license <laughs> plate number that's the thing people was like what was the license plate number like I didn't look back like I had left that window and walked off just thinking what the fuck just happened yeah, it was pretty weird and so I've told her i like look I'm not going to do it but you can go by Connell Street man there's like unis around here you'll <laughs> definitely find someone and obviously never been in the situation not impressed at all by that
1: absolutely not
4: but the worst thing is is that I wish I had stayed and asked more questions because I've never heard this happening to anyone else ever. How do you get to that point? Exactly. And the thing is, what it was making it more peculiar was the area was on the road was through the little um, S-bend from where King William turns into O'Connell Street. And so you couldn't have seen me early enough to be able to approach like she did. So she must have staked me out for at least a block or something in order to understand where I was to pull over where right. I was walking at that particular time. Otherwise, I'm on a blind curve and you don't even see me there. And so, I want to know what the fuck was going on. Like, I really want to find out who this woman was and find out what situation <laughs> led her to do this because she didn't look like she needed to. She wasn't ratty. She looked like she'd be a professional woman during the daytime, or whatever. I'm going to go out on a limb and say she's got issues. I think so. But I just want to know how bad those issues were. Like,
1: They're bad enough that you pull up to a stranger in the middle of the street and ask him to come in your tits.
4: But the motivation behind it, like, was it she had... a. Killed someone and she needed a DNA sample to plant on somebody or whatever. <laughs> and like, was I supposed to just jerk off on a tits or was I going to get a blowjob or something first? Like, was how this was this going to work?
3: Times of Monica Lewinsky and uh, Clinton? Two in 2000.
4: So, yeah, dangerously close to 2003, so
3: there you go. She was about, someone had been sucking off the president. Where was John Howard?
4: Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I was him, I would have banged his wife either. <laughs> and the, other, the, other, the flip side of that was, what if this poor woman had had this fantasy since she was a little girl, just finally, you know, she just <laughs> wanted some random stranger to come on her tits, and she'd finally built up the courage on this Wednesday night, and had gone out and done it, and i have just gone, no. No, no,
3: <laughs> no. That wasn't the case, because she... Repeated the question, she wasn't scared in asking it. Yeah, this is true. She'd this the question, is
4: true, and so. quite insistent. An and so, maybe her boyfriend and her in cahoots they'd fucking you know killed someone, a sister or whatever, or maybe her boyfriend's wife, and they needed like a semen sample to plant. because yeah. I can't believe it was just straight up she just yeah. wanted someone to come on her
1: tits. 100% with you, if that ever happened to me, there's like there is zero percent chance I'm not going nah. Yeah, exactly. This is there's zero no,
4: percent chance I'm
3: not going that. Nah. but there's a hundred percent chance afterwards I'm going. I wonder what would have happened.
4: <laughs> well, it's come to the point now, ten years later, that I'm still here wondering what's happened. Yeah, so, right. the whole time, I went home to my flatmates, and I didn't say a word for like 45 minutes, just sitting there trying to, what the fuck just happened? Like, and plus I was a bit drunk as well, having yep. birthday drinks with my mate. And until then, I've gone to him. You wouldn't believe what just happened to me, and I told my story. And of course, the first thing they say is "fuck off." Oh, <laughs> <shit."> <laughs> and so, it's hard enough finding people to actually believe that story happened. And then hard enough convincing them that you did, in fact, say no. Yeah. Because all the other guys are like, fucking it, I don't know for sure. But like, that's because you're a dirty cunt from the South. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, everyone knows somebody that would go, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like.
4: But I,
3: I seriously... Yes, but let's be honest. The people that would say yes are the people that wouldn't be asked in the first place. <laughs> yeah, probably
4: right there. Probably right. So, yeah, that was the most interesting flash that I had.
3: And back in the casino, so you you got flashed a, a tit off grandma and whatnot. Um, did you ever have, I wouldn't say old people, but anybody sit glued to their slot machine, convinced it's going to pay off to the extent that they pissed themselves, shat themselves or died?
4: Not that I've seen, but I'm pretty sure would happened because people have sat there for long enough that you're like, you've got to move at some point. Yep. But I've, I've seen people throw up at the table and not leave. Just, you can see they're not feeling well and... Not like they were drunk. like Not like a drunk, you know, I'm fucked up just and throw body. up. Just, just for little, legitimately sick with something. And probably being in that environment for a weekend. Yeah. Probably did it. And just put their head below the table. Below the table, blah, Come back up. And I'm like, am I supposed to still fucking serve you or what? <laughs> but Responsible Service of Gaming, they're not going to come up and go, hey, you know what? Maybe you should go have a nap. <laughs> they're going to go, you, of water? you got a problem with it? We need a new dealer. <laughs> and that's what happens. So yeah. you see stuff like that, but... Generally, I haven't seen people throw up, but I know people who have stank that much that we've got security to come and tell them, look, you can't gamble until you have a shower because yeah. you yeah. stink. Um, but yeah.
1: do, do you see that in Vegas in one of your many trips?
4: Um, I've heard stories, certainly plenty of stories, of
3: people pissing themselves or shitting themselves yeah. Yeah. because they didn't want to leave, leave a slot machine. Yeah. And a couple of stories of people having heart attacks there. But they're normally quite good because the people that have heart attacks actually fall off the stool, yeah. <laughs> which is helpful, gives it away.
4: So, so they pull it out for someone
3: else to come. I think team.
1: there was a story in one of Brunson, I mean the Brunson uh,
3: Or Slim Amarillo's.
1: One of those, one yeah. of those two, uh, where they say, you know, the bloke died at the table. I'm like, oh, that's
3: horrible. Whose deal is it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, he still at uh, chips. Or, or they got upset with the dealer because he paused the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I've had,
4: yeah. yeah. People get unreasonable when you try and stop a game for legitimate reasons, like a blackout, where people are like, no, 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 still two more hands. You're like, dude. Yeah. can't even see the fucking cards. Or, like, are you serious? Or, or the more common one is when
3: some fuck knuckle spills their drink across the felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And the best part was in Adelaide Casino, the cleans would come with the hairdryer and wash it all up. So it was sweet for the deal. they are like, sweet, someone spilled yeah. a drink on a Saturday night. I get to sit back and check out the chicks. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> half hour break for nothing. Yeah. And that was the main goal of working on the main floor of any casino for dudes, which is checking out the chicks on a Friday and Saturday night. That's oh, what would get you through the, through the shift. But the thing is, they never fucking win. They never win. Always rock up your table you'll clean out the good looking girls the ugly ones they'll be staying there drunk as fuck offering you everything <laughs> I was doing one time I was doing blackjack and there was this sexy ass girl just hanging around the back like brunette hair nice dress just really digging what she was into and so I'm looking at her thinking, she's pretty hot and after one of the hands she's come past and she's put a business card just below my drop box,
1: Uh-huh.
4: Played it cool I'm, oh yeah, yeah cool thanks for that put it over next to me she's like yeah that's my friends over there who was the most rat shit drunk redhead chick falling out of a top just thinking, why isn't it never the other way around? And I've looked at her, just looked at her in the bin.
1: Other international players, how much can they really get away with? Well, or Is there ever a line where they've gone, nah, that's it?
4: Um, there is There are some players that really push it, but it is relative to um, how much they bet. But also,
1: where, where does that start though?
4: Like, it starts with the deposit, how much they put into their account. Right. Because the thing is, they'll allow you to take out a line of credit. And if you don't take them up on the line of credit, they're more likely to do more things for you. You get more advantages, you get more rebate on your bets through CP. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be willing to more do more for you if you don't take them up on the line of credit. But not many players actually do that because it's just a pain in the ass changing your currency over because if you change, let's say, $90 million from Chinese yuan into... Australian dollars, and then there's a big fluctuation in the um, pricing of both currencies. You could win a couple million dollars while you're gambling, but still lose having to yeah. transfer it back in that. And so they actually started allowing people to take bets in Hong Kong dollars. So they'll actually have tables set up with chips and plaques that are all in Hong Kong dollars. Wow. But the thing is, the exchange rate is so messed up that you got people whose limits are like 12.5 million to whatever and that's all well and good when it's round numbers but when you're the dealer and you've got to work out 5% commission yeah, there's yeah. a lot of difference to the you know 100,000 donations or whatever you're used to working out in but um, the best players the best players uh, they always came at the start of my career of dealing because that was when Melbourne had a really big market share in the Southeast Asian or Southeast Asian area Asian area
3: that was all before the, the casino in cow. Singapore Singapore up, yeah. right? Singapore killed it
4: yeah Singapore killed it big time and the thing is I know at that point when I first started, the biggest bet that they'd take on Baccarat, or the biggest differential they'd offer, was 250k, and that went up really, really quick. Um, before Singapore came, they there was only a couple of people that would give a 300k differential, which was Mr X and a, a couple of other people. But then as soon as Singapore opened up, they actually offered a million dollar differential, so that forced ten to up it. But yep. it was mainly, many managers looking at it and going, "Fuck, that's a lot to risk." But when you look at the practicality of it, you might lose 10 million in one day, but these people aren't staying for one day yeah. they're staying for four months and so you might go down a bit but you're going to get it back it's pretty, almost guaranteed unless you fuck up really bad and they don't ever want to come back but so,
3: so Crown, Crown Casino and I then have um, something in common we've both been fucked by a Singapore Casino yep <laughs> so, <laughs> and how were how, how you fucked just by so, the maths yes I was working in Singapore for seven months right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and I thought whilst well, well, I'm going to have to play poker when I'm in Singapore add to my list of casinos mm-hmm. I've played in there's two casinos in singapore there's uh one at mandalay bay yeah uh, which doesn't have a poker room and there's one at world resorts on sentosa island yeah so the choice was easy <laughs> the choice was easy so you know i was there over a weekend um so right i'm heading down to sentosa go and play poker get to the poker room the lowest game they're spreading is 510 and this is the exchange rates one to one so I'm, I'm a one three two five player and i have occasionally taking shots at 510 in Vegas but it's on special occasions yes yeah. so this I'm out of my comfort zone but fair enough I'll sit down gambling Asians no problem first hand I get dealt pocket kings of course get in there <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was big blind so I post to big blind someone raises someone re-raises and I think I don't want to give me hand away too soon I'll oh, flat yeah the other guy comes along as well three of us we get uh, something like a 10-6 deuce rainbow flop beautiful got the motherfucker. <laughs> check check I, I, oh, I bet and one of them looks at me and re-raises me and the other one folds I think this fucker's just tried to scare yeah. away the, the new white guy that looks <laughs> a little bit nervous sitting down at 5'10 <laughs> got him i <I'm> just flat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turn pairs to six it's not a problem it's three bet pre-flop he bets I flat let him hang himself rivers a brick he shoves all in alright it's my thousand dollar buy in but that's okay. I'm co- yeah. caught I this yeah. one off. Fucker turned over quad sixes. Of course he did. Jeez. Yeah, quad sixes first hand. So hell. I went Yeah. I think i got the same taxi back actually. I don't think he got the <laughs> <end>. <laughs> See, Yeah, I had an
1: absolute golden duck.
3: Yeah, first first hand, full stack. Yeah. I've had Holy I've shit. had
1: two golden ducks in my since playing poker and both of them pocket kings as well. Was it? Yeah, and I think one was even big blind too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I went
3: yeah. back the next night. I thought, no, I can't be a one-hand loser. I've got to give it another crack.
1: I've got to give it a two-hand loser.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and I was playing for about forty-five minutes, and this hand came up. Uh, a raise, I flat with Ace Queen. We get an Ace Queen rag flop. He bets. I re-raise. He calls. Um, turn is a brick. He checks, I jam it in, he tanks for ages and calls, I flip over my ace-queen, he nods knowingly, river-king, and he turns over ace-king. Uh, so I did 2K in 45 minutes and 1 minute, so 46 minutes. 46 minutes. That's my experience of Singapore Casino. <laughs> Fuck, hell. Fuck Singapore. The only
4: time I tried to gamble in casino overseas was in Vietnam, and I was thinking like the exchange rates ridiculous so I'm, like, I'm going to be king motherfucker <laughs> this casino like yes this is like got me all over it i walk in there like sweet ready to just cash up american dollars so fuck you so i'm like all right <laughs> give me my american dollars <laughs> can i walk over there and there are no live games they're all electronic um, so uh, i'm poker, like pro, poker pro tables yeah, yeah. exactly like are you serious i'm betting in american dollars in vietnam for rigged games, yeah. Like, fuck this up. Like, how do you guys like gambling? If this is like your status quo, like, how does this work out? I hate those tables. It's, you, you just lose the essence of why yep. you're going exactly.
1: there. Exactly. If yep. I want to play online, I'd stay at fucking yeah. home. Yeah,
4: and that's why I don't like the automatic shufflers that they have on blackjack tables and buckaroa tables, whatever. I think there's still something to be said for a, a dealer that can shuffle a deck of cards. Yeah, and also it gives you that break to be able to go have a drink, whatever. It's the same as playing vinyl.
3: Right. Yeah, it's just exactly.
4: got that
1: sort of yeah. traditional crackle yeah. to it yeah Absolutely. that imperfection yeah
3: the yeah. imperfection is like, what makes it perfect exactly yeah. it's, it's
1: the, the the sound of that riffle of the cards it's just it's like if you yeah. had you know electronic um, chips instead yeah. of real chips you don't hear that clink, clink 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 yeah
3: well, that's but, what they say. The person who invented poker was clever, but the poker person who invented chips was, was a genius.
4: genius. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, all the uh, tables, at, the poker tables at Crown all have the automatic shufflers. No, yeah. not oh.
3: all of them. There's some that don't. I can say, um, but w- w- most of them do. And it, actually, it, it does speed up the game. It Yeah, it does.
1: But from my experience, I reckon one in two were broken. Are frequently yeah, broken. Yeah, yeah. And
4: they're, they're notoriously expensive as well. Apparently. yeah. I think three and four deals are broken too. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I played... Um, Seven out of eight
1: players, huh? <laughs> yeah.
3: Talking about playing in Asian casinos, I played in a couple of casinos in the Philippines. Oh, yeah. Um, was staying down in Cebu as a family holiday and you know, you do what you have to do and go yeah. and have a game of cards. <laughs> yeah. It's the only casino I've ever walked into where you walk through an airport-style security scanner yeah, yeah. and there's a little sign, I think I might have even texted you a picture of it, says, please leave all... Deadly weapons at the at concierge. <laughs> and it's got a picture of uh, a knife with a cross through it, a gun with a cross oh, through Jesus. it, and other shit. So you have to leave all your weapons behind. And then you go so in. If
1: you're a baller, you would have put, it to put your, your bankroll in there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just put it there.
3: Yeah. Um, and then you go and play cards. And I was up, I was up a few hundred about an hour in, and, I, and it's the only place I've ever played where I thought I probably ought to lose this back before I
4: go. Yeah. So I used to date a fellow chick, and we're actually going to go to the Philippines on a holiday once, and her dad. Said, no, you're not going there. He goes, like, we could probably go there, but from where I grew up, you're not going there. Like, you get kidnapped, taken to an island somewhere, and be held ransom. And I was like, oh, we will also going to the casino. So he goes, you don't want to win the casino because yeah. you win inside, you lose outside. <laughs> like, someone knows what's going on there.
3: Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was different. But they have part of the um, uh, Asia Pacific Poker Tour it's yeah. held there, and there's yeah. big events in Manila now. Yeah. Um, but I certainly never felt comfortable playing in the two casinos I played in in Cebu.
1: I wonder if yeah. they play Manila in Manila. They should. You know, <laughs> just... probably,
3: they, they might call it Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny.
1: There's always um, they call it something different. I tell,
3: I tell you what. I bet it's not 95 year old Italians and Greeks playing
4: it. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. the locals. Complain about everything. And then like another thing to that is half the fun of gambling is having that space to be able to discuss what happened. Oh, it sounds like a podcast like uh, this. Post-mortems. So we always yeah. call it when we're playing yeah. cards. Yeah. so shuffling gives you that chance to sit there and discuss with them what happened. And also, it's really good at building rapport with your players because you have a little break period where you offload all the fucked up happenings that have happened in the last, you know, however many hands you'll get out of a deck. And so you sort of offload that, that deck or that shoe and then you're back onto a new one. It's like a fresh start. With continuous ones, it's just like misery packed yeah. on misery yeah. and no one's happy. But Speaking of Southeast Asia, one of my favourite players or my favourite couple, I would say, came from Southeast Asia. I oh, know did I tell this last time? They owned a cigarette. Factory? No, I don't think no. don't, I don't, don't remember. Yeah, they owned a cigarette company, I'm pretty sure. And um the I'll call the lady Barbie just as a mm, pseudonym because so I like sh- her. Should we call the bloke Ken? Yeah, I'll we'll go know. Ken and Barbie. I don't see the connection yeah. Anyway. Ken and Barbie. We'll go we'll go with that. Um because they're really nice people. They don't play there anymore because they got a bit sick, I think, and couldn't make the trip over from Indonesia. But um, I think they were the fourth biggest cigarette manufacturer in the world. Didn't even smoke their own brand. But, of course not. <laughs> yeah, they had a very particular way of, of how they play. I still don't know to this day how it worked. But the guy, he was the main player. And the woman, Dolly, I meant Barbie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: she was the one that would interact. And she was fucking hilarious. Like she spoke... Pretty good English, but her ability to make up... Uh, in my opinion, you understand English when you can make up your own swear words. Like that's when you've got <laughs> right. a grasp of, of English language. And that's what she'd be able to do. And so they'd play a game where it was very, very quick. They might play only three hands in a shoe, and they've got a new shoe. And you'd have to have your table that was running, and you'd have another table with a dealer who was just shuffling cards so they are ready to go on there. Right. And you had another table with two shuffling machines. And for a lot of time, you were still playing catch up. Like, they'd have to wait because it'd be like a couple of decks straight out of the box, cut it, three hands, nut, new shoe. And that was just how they played the whole time. And so, Dolly, she didn't really play a whole lot. The dude played with his offsiders, and she just sit there and just talked to you the whole time. And I remember the first time I went in to deal with her, um, it was in the old pit 29 in Mahogany Room, and you had these big double doors, the same one I first dealt to Ivy in. And um, I've walked in there, and they're on the table, straight as you go in on the right hand side. And she's looked up to me and she's gone, looked at my name, and she's like, Oh, Brenton, how big is your cock?
0: <laughs> and I've looked at her and gone,
4: What?
1: He's so, like, Did she ask you to come on her tits later on?
3: Or- <laughs> I mean, did she,
4: she drive an Astra? She would have been well up for it, trust me. <laughs> and she's like, You heard me, boy. How big is your cock? <laughs> and I've looked at the supervisor, and they're all pissing themselves, laughing. And they start to sit like going, Go on, you got to tell her. And I'm like, uh, right, It's this big. From the ground Like the old joke <laughs> yeah, You know yeah. what I mean yeah, So I pulled that one out And especially in casinos You get a lot of miles out of jokes From different players yeah. You just got a new audience Coming through all the yeah. time And she was the filthiest bitch I've ever come across But in a hilarious way
1: Well it's because You didn't come across the last <laughs> one She asked
4: <laughs> <laughs> But the funny thing was Is that They have Sexpo At the Exhibition Centre Straight across the road from Crown Right And so it was on at the same time It must have been like a November Yeah late November I think like, yeah, yeah and so pull that one out she's, yeah. she's she's come back from Sexpo with shopping bags full of stuff of course and she has when she's come back we've always gone oh shit like oh no this is going to be an interesting day mind exactly. you while this is going on you're trying to do a very very fast game of Baccarat like very fast and so she's walking in with big black dongs just Brenton is this as big as your cock like, bend over or fuck your ass with this boy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, this, the, so she sat down there at the end of the table and she's got. she's like I need a piece of paper so like uh, alright Dolly we get, a paper, get a piece of paper I need a pen So, alright give her a pen she's sitting there and she's like sketching something and like well, Dolly what are you doing over there and she's like, Hide it. she's like no no later later and so eventually she's got a and she's gone up to the supervisor and she's drawn a picture of a cat and <laughs> she's gone to Mike she's going I show you my shaved pussy. <laughs> 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 so we started piss ourselves laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark's wife worked there as well but she was in the salon she was out somewhere else. Right. And she, she goes right I'm going to tell your wife that you saw my pussy. <laughs> so she's trotted out fucking gone and done that. Um, it's a long <laughs> setup
1: up for the one pun joke. i, yeah. I I've got a lot yeah. of respect for that. Right the,
4: the craziest person I've seen play Baccarat was this guy named Mr. T. So stop me if I've told this one as well. No. No. He's from Indonesia, no, from Singapore, but it's not the tiger. No, 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 okay, he was from Vietnam. Yep, yeah, this guy was from Singapore. He was the most batshit crazy person I've ever dealt to in my life. He was not hasn't been back to Singapore for like ten years because he's waiting to outlast a statute of limitations <laughs> on a, a very serious insider trading case that was against him for like two hundred million dollars. Right. And so what he'd do so is... he's got that, cash to burn. Yeah. Literally. So what he'd do is that he'd just hole up in casinos because there's very few places that are more secure than casinos. Right. And so he'd be in you know, their penthouse apartments or whatever. And he told me, he goes, Brenton, I always keep $9 million of cash with me because if someone sends someone to kill me, I tell them, you go kill the person who tends you to kill me and I'll pay you twice as much. So that was his strategy on survival day to day basis.
1: So in other words, four point six is the minimum you got to come with. Yeah, pretty much. Because then he has, he, has much. he has. But then covered.
4: you just rock up and say, "I'm here to kill you." They've offered me three million, and he'll go, "Well, here's six." He'll it's say, see you later. It's exactly. A, That's not yeah, a good bluff. I ring some mates, give them my little swipe, security swipes so then get into the hotels. Say so you don't need gun, he's knock on the door and say, "Yeah, we've four million dollars offered to kill you." All right, sweet, where you go? But um, his ritual was he because I don't know if you've seen how you score up. It's, com- it's pointless to a um, common sense point of view. I mean, unless you believe in sort of karma and luck and spirits oh, yeah. and... like so Everyone's
1: got a system. Yeah, everyone's and, got a system. And no system ever works. Yeah. Except be the house.
3: Yeah. This guy you, had... You, you mean Martingale blackjack doesn't work? <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's like the... you work with to try. The <laughs> share, um theory of buckerout out. But... Um, So he'd have three systems. So he had to employ three people to keep these systems because they weren't just a win or lose thing. It was this whole interpretation of the win and loss and he had books that were graph paper. So big like A3 size graph paper and one offsider would be doing one system and I don't understand them from the beginning. His other outsider would be doing his other system and if, if he wasn't gay, I'd suck my own dick. Let's put it that way. Right. So he was definitely fucking one of his offsiders, and this offsider would just cop it during the whole baccarat, like period of him playing baccarat. And what he'd do is before he came into the room, there had to be these stickers which were a compass, and they were pointing to true north. And you had one of them situated on the bumper, in front of each of the seats. Right. And so when I was first going to deal with this guy, the pit well, boss has come to me.
1: So w- w- why?
4: I don't know. I okay. like I'm going I'm to say more crazy than that i got no idea about any of it about the wires. Okay. None of it. That's what makes it batshit crazy. Yep. And so the supervisor comes to me before I'm going to the salon and he's made a point to be outside the salon when I'm coming up with escalators because it's in the top floor of um, Crown Towers and he's like, all right, Brendan, here's what you've got to do. you are going to walk in there, don't look at him, sit down, he's going to nod to you and then they're all going to start saying a prayer. When they're, when they're halfway through the prayer, he'll open his eyes, look at you and give you a nod and you've got to start shuffling. When you shuffle, you have to do three riffles to make four piles in like your eight decks of shuffling. Right. So I've got a riffle once, have one pile, riffle yep, yep. three, to, yeah, to make like my four or whatever his arbitrary number of the day was. So when he's asked for like six piles, you like shuffle normally and you forget because that's your downtime. Yeah. And so like sweet new shoe, shuffle, you think about something else, you're like, fuck, that's right, six. And so you see where you're praying. So the last shuffles are like five cards on each side <laughs> or three <laughs> cards. He's like, just don't open your eyes now. And, um, and then he's like and then you have to divide it into four parts and do the same again <coughs> then once he he's finished his his prayer he's going to he's going to oh like incense and then right. he's going to tell you when you're allowed to deal and um this guy at the start of the day was really really nice didn't take long for that to change and when the, when the pit boss are telling me this i'm like ah oh, you're stitching me out come on freddie that's not true <laughs> like, Fuck off, whatever <laughs> And then I've walked in there and everyone's just dead silent, not having fun at all. You just see him looking there. Yeah. So I on. Oh, no, all right, I'm guessing yeah, maybe he's serious. But I didn't realize that his prayer would go for like 15 minutes. Oh, like, wow. I mean, a legitimate 15 minutes. And so you're sitting there going, so I'm looking at Smith. I was like, has he already told me to start shuffling or did I, <laughs> did I miss did, something? Did I miss my cue? Hey, anyway, wait. And Smith's looking at me, just nothing, nothing. Don't do anything. And so eventually he's like, give me the nod, start shuffling. And so... First hand. All right, Brenton, uh, I think you'll, you'll feel good. We're about big. about 100k. He's got a 600k diff. Right. So, all right. Lost 100k. <laughs> Fucking bullshit, cunt, motherfucking. This is rigged. This is rigged. This in Singapore. I call the police. They take you to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, dude.
1: I'm glad we're not in Singapore. What
4: God are you praying to, man? He's, he's happy with your conduct. I'm switching religions. I'm up with you, man. And so, next hand. All right, 600,000. I'm like, you're pissed off at losing 100 grand. What the fuck, (laughs) 600K? I'm like, I'm nervous because I know you're going to lose because you just know when somebody's going to lose. And especially when it's going to be detrimental to your experience of a day's work. You know, that's just the way the casino gods operate. Like, they're out to fuck with you. (laughs) And so, (laughs) look at it. Just going, fuck, please win, please win. 600K. Nah, lost. Fucking bullshit, cunt motherfucker. Fuck you. And the worst part is back in the day your supervisors would back you up yep. but now these supervisors have gone to pit bosses and the quality of supervisors has been drastically reduced because they've been made to look after that many more tables yeah, reducing yeah. the amount of supervisors you actually got. So they were stressed out they don't do no shit and the worst part is is when you've got shit supervisors when that stuff happens they all of a sudden just start wandering off back behind the pit (laughs) stairs I didn't see anything so for three days I had to sit there with this dude and cop this but the thing is after the show's over he tries to be your best friend right which pissed me off because he's like you know it's it's not the money it's the feeling inside that I get I'm thinking but you always lose (laughs) so you're always getting that feeling so yeah
3: but that's the phrase isn't it The second best thing after gambling and winning is gambling and losing.
4: Yeah, Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And it's almost like he's a sucker for punishment. But that was the craziest thing that I've ever been requested to do in order for someone to start to deal. deal, You know what I mean? And even through the actual game, the different idiosyncrasies that he had with how it was dealt, how you turn the cards over, and he'd work on um, time as well as that compass was somehow a correlation between time, star signs, and the direction of true north compared to the sun of course somehow he worked something out with that because you see him look at the watch and like okay it's monkey now 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 we play this much or whatever and you look at it going <laughs> you're batshit crazy
1: as good as any other system out there
4: oh yeah, well, that's, that's, it. True. Insane, yeah that's true insane useless yeah. yeah. and that's what I tell people because especially you get the Westerns come up and look at the scoring they're like yeah it's all bullshit and like well yeah it is but You've got to pick one side, so you may as well make it something fun. <laughs> like, yeah. If you enjoyed yeah. it that way, then fucking go for it. That's it, isn't it? It's make yeah. your own fun out of it. Yeah, And it's, it's just and it's cash just as successful as your system, bloke. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you say when your system is, yeah, that'll do.
4: Yeah. And yeah. Um, the other one I remember is um, when was it that Liverpool were up for sale? It would have been maybe mid- a couple of times over mid- the last <laughs> 10 years. Mid but... 2000s, it must have been. And there was a dude from Singapore who was in the. In the bids for it, he didn't win it. He didn't buy it, but he was actually at Crown playing when he was bidding for Singapore, for Liverpool. Because I remember um, dealing to him and he was like on the phone and whatever, and he's sort of playing a couple of hands. And he has to go do stuff, and we're like, man, he's like, if you're that busy, sure, he wouldn't play back right. And then obviously there's lots of soccer soccer fans at Crown because you work night shift and you get Premier League live, like yep. watch yeah. heaps of soccer. And so they are like, this dude's actually trying to buy Liverpool. You're like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> I could pay for this dude to buy Liverpool. Right, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't end up buying it. Someone else did. Um, Bo- Boston you- Red Sox bought it, didn't they? Uh, there was two
3: other Americans that bought it first. Right. And then um, the Fen- Fenway Park Group bought it. Is, is that what they're called? Yeah. Well, it's Boston's uh, home ground, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, they still own it, right?
3: Fenway Sports or whatever it's called, yeah. yeah. They still own it.
1: Dunks is rather impartial to, to, uh, to Liverpool.
3: Yeah, I'm rather impartial to a bit Liverpool Football Club.
1: So, you, you, lifelong, would you say? Would you, was it starting early for yourself? Yeah,
3: yeah, no, it was starting early. So, it was impressed upon me that um, as a five year old choosing your football club, that it was the most important decision I'd ever make. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, you can change your wife, but you can't change your football team type of stuff.
4: Yeah. Yep.
1: So, there is a reason for bringing this up because it's one of my favourite stories and it, it, it is, involves gambling of a sort. But your story about when Liverpool won the Champions League.
3: So, 2005, um, we played the semi-final against Chelsea yep. and um, went through two-leg thing, but went through courtesy of Luis Garcia's ghost goal. Did it cross the line? Did it not cross the line? Fuck yep. off Mourinho, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as soon as that result happened, then I was... I've got to get to Istanbul for the final. Don't care what it takes. I've got to get to Istanbul for the final. Yeah,
4: there was concerns about security in Turkey that time.
3: Wasn't well, it it? Two, what would it mean, that time? It was. Uh, yeah. It was two years earlier. Leeds had played there in a Champions League game, and two Leeds fans had been stabbed in Taksim Square. So oh, yeah. everybody's saying to me, but "No, no, you can't go. You can't go." It's too. That'd 1980s. be below
1: average for a Leeds game,
3: wouldn't it? Um, or, or some would argue, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> Sorry, any Leeds fans, <laughs> dirty fucking Leeds. Um so did everything I could to get tickets. Tickets were impossible to come by, but the first thing I did was book my flight because then I was pot committed. Yeah. <laughs> um,
4: I love that enthusiasm.
3: Um and eventually um managed to find someone um through various dodgy websites. So I'd buy two tickets. And I think my brother had to go and collect the tickets from this house somewhere in Liverpool. Right. And a mate that I was going to go to the game with, me over there, that I used to go to the Liverpool games with when I lived back home, um, was going to meet me in Istanbul. But he hadn't yet managed to get his flight sorted. And flights out of the UK to Istanbul were impossible. People were flying to Sofia, Bulgaria, and driving and all kinds. So my mum... My mum then posted the tickets to me in Melbourne so I could have yep. them to take with me. And I was shitting myself about them getting there, but they f- finally turned up the day before. Um and but the odd thing was that my mum and her elder sister had come to visit us in Australia. Right. So they'd come for 2 weeks <laughs> and the first week was the week before the Champions League final, so they were there. My mum at this stage would have been 62. And my aunt was 20 years older, so she was 82, so she's come from the U.K. 82 years old, It's a massive adventure, all the rest of it. She's come for two weeks to see us in Australia. The second week, I'm fucking off back to <laughs> Europe. Anyway, the tickets turned up finally the, the Friday before I left on the Monday, so the last day that the postal yeah. was delivering. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut that fine. And then I flew Melbourne to Singapore, Singapore, Dubai, Dubai, Istanbul, with these two tickets, yeah. hoping my mate Steve would make it from the U.K. Um, at this stage, I knew my mate Steve wasn't going to be able to get to Istanbul. Yeah. Um, so I had this one extra ticket to, to sell. But obviously, two years earlier, a couple of Leeds fans had been stabbed. I was a little bit nervous about trying to sell the ticket. Uh, yeah. And eventually I lost my bottle and didn't sell it and kept it. So it landed at Istanbul Airport and then I'm faced with, uh, right, I'm going to have to find somewhere to stay. Because it was, it, was <laughs> yeah. it was impossible to find somewhere to stay. Um, and there was some little booth in Istanbul Airport, went in there, um, and eventually got a room above a Russian brothel um, in Istanbul, about above. a mile away from the Grand Bazaar. Damn. Above? <clears throat>
0: Definitely uh, above?
3: <laughs> or, or was it just an unused room for the night? He it, leased it, the room for it the It could night. have been either. The oddity was, as you looked through your window into a little courtyard, because it was on the inside of the building, and it was a right, enclosed right. Just a giant chimney flume, really, if there was a fire. Um, There was Liverpool scarves hanging down out of most windows. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so did the Singapore, uh, Melbourne, Singapore to Dubai, to Istanbul. Got there on the, left on the Monday, got there on the Tuesday. Got chatting to some bloke in Istanbul um, who had gotten the flight in Dubai. So had a few beers with him and hung out at the Grand Bazaar and do all the touristy stuff. And everywhere you go, all the... Um, all the Turks were fantastic. Um, and it became very much aware that the Turks were fantastic because Galatasaray or Fenerbahce or Besiktas weren't involved. So they didn't oh, right. really care that right. much. Yeah. Um, uh, it would have been a lot more dangerous.
1: They're Russian teams? Or uh, Turkish teams? Turkish they're, the, teams they're, yeah.
3: they're, they're three teams, but the biggest three Turkish teams and right. are all from Istanbul. I just wanted to make sure that I've heard of Galatasaray.
4: <laughs> Galatasaray. Galatasaray, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So... Um, So, you chat to people everywhere you go, they're all shouting Milan or they're all shouting Liverpool at you, um, either trying to wind you up or give you support, and it was a great atmosphere and all the rest of it. Um, So it comes the day of the game, go for a few beers in the centre of Istanbul around the Grand Bazaar, met up with this guy again that had come from um, Dubai and had a couple of beers with him, then we jump in a taxi to get out to the ground. Now, the Atatürk Stadium was about an hour outside of Istanbul. Right. And they hadn't quite finished building it. (laughs) It's in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I don't mean it's like in the middle of a housing estate or it's a long way... It's in the middle of a load of fucking fields. No shit. It's in the Damn. middle of nowhere. And as the taxi was driving us through, they're still painting white lines in the middle of the new <laughs> road. that actually gets people to the stadium for the first time. It's
1: amazing how often this happens though, especially around
0: Olympics. And yep,
3: yeah. they left it to the last minute. Anyway, so you're going through these housing estates um, on the way through to the stadium and There's high rises of flats on the outskirts of Istanbul with people obviously don't have a great deal of cash. There's no cars around, it's just hundreds of people. But the streets are three and four deep with kids shouting and waving scars and banging the taxis and it was awesome. So eventually you see this trail of people walking across the fields to the Atatürk Stadium (laughs) Um, and the traffic's now horrendous. So we jump out of the taxi and join the snake of people walking across for about the last mile to the Atatürk. And you get there, and all these big events, they've got fan zones set up, right? And so you go into the Liverpool fan zone, and there was a stage where it had some performers, but the Liverpool fans, through their exuberance, had taken over the stage, <laughs> and they were all bouncing up and down on the on the stage. And the the local Turk girl who was supposed to be performing has come onto the microphone and said would all the Liverpool fans please get off the stage the stage <laughs> is going to collapse and you go oh no it's going to be a disaster um, and then one of the scousers gets on the, grabs the microphone off her. and oh, Mourinho was manager of Chelsea um, when we beat Chelsea in the semi-final so we knocked them out he gets on the microphone and he goes Mr Mourinho Mr Mourinho if you're watching could you record Coronation Street for me
0: laughter <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: he endeared himself to the locals it was very very
3: it's fantastic fantastic anyway so we trot into the ground um i've got two tickets i've completely lost my bottle in terms of selling one so the guy that i'd met um who'd come over from dubai um i gave him my ticket uh my spare ticket yep. so we could sit right. together yeah and then i got his ticket which remains an unused ticket right, right. um so we go into the ground, um, Walking through to the ground, walking from the fan zone into the stadium, everyone's trying to, what's the team? What's the team? Has anyone heard the team news? Harry Kuehl's playing, and Jibreel yeah. Sissi's on the bench, and Didier Amann's on the bench, and everyone's going, oh, fucking Harry Kuehl. <laughs> <laughs> it would hardly play, You know, he, he was great for Leeds, but we bought his twin brother, who was blind. <laughs> yeah, that's where he's um, going to send <laughs> So. so so we go into the game, and um, in the first minute, Paolo Maldini scores for for AC Milan, the quickest goal in the history of Champions League finals, and we're going, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, and then Harry Kuehl breaks a, a hairband or something after 21 minutes, and he gets <laughs> yeah. gets subbed off with a hairband injury. So he um, had something to cheer for. So <laughs> yeah, that, that gave us hope. Um, and then I think in the last 10 minutes of the second half... Um, first half. First th- half. T- last 10 minutes of the first half Hernan Crespo scored twice yeah. um, acing land cuts to pieces We're 3-0 down at half time I've spunked the best part of 10k on the trip yeah. and tickets yeah. and flights <laughs> um, and nobody's ever come back from this and it's awful um, at half time seats are starting to get broken, and it's <laughs> uh, it 's a really fucking horrible atmosphere. The only plus side is all three goals were at the end I was so I was level with the eighteen yard box on the side right, right, so nice. and all three goals were at my end no. lovely so that yeah. was a plus oh, and that yeah. was the goal that Milan fans were behind so at half time they unfurled a massive banner that covers the entire end some fourza milan um or Milano whatever you know just saying yeah. they 're the dog 's nuts um I turned to the guy next to me the other guy next, the other side who I, who I obviously never met and said to him you know at least if we win it'll be the greatest game ever <laughs> and he says fucking Lazarus wouldn't fucking come back from this <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a lot of hope but then at that moment then a few fans at the other end the Liverpool end of the ground started singing you'll never walk alone yep, right. and it built up and it built up and I can feel getting goosebumps now yeah. talking yeah. about it um, and you know this three quarters of the ground was Liverpool um, and i think it was about 70,000 capacity so probably about 50,000 liverpool fans started singing you'll never walk alone so I, with 3 I, nil I down at half i can guarantee
1: you you can youtube this yeah. oh like, it's, the, it's
3: the most amazing thing so 3-0 down at half time your team's getting lodged by one of your filipino girls big black dildos, um, <laughs> and th- but we start singing you'll never walk alone um, rumor has it that the um, ac milan fans were celebrating back in the change room
2: at half time
3: Anyway, we come out for the second half and a couple of minutes in, or well, five minutes in, Steven Gerrard scores. We score three goals in six minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vladimir Smith scores the second. Then Xabi Alonso takes a penalty, has the penalty saved and scores the rebound and it's three all. And it's the greatest comeback in the history of fucking anything ever. Um, yeah. um, but to be honest, for the rest of the game, Liverpool was still shit. That um, We were terrible. Really? We were so bad the entire <laughs> game other than those six minutes. Um, but inspired by Stevie G, inspired by Jamie Carragher at the back, we get through to full time at 90, 90 minutes and it's 3 all. We go into extra time and we're backs to the wall. Um, with Jamie Carragher, our centre-half, Liverpool 700 gamer, um, is putting his body on the line, sliding in front of everything. <laughs> um, and then with about 30 seconds left, Andre Shevchenko, who at the time was arguably um, the highest regarded centre forward in the world, has a shot, Dudek saves it, the rebound's right, a yard out, Dudek's on the ground, Shevchenko's pining in, and he belts the volley, um, and some and somehow the ball goes over the bar. We have no idea how that happened <laughs> at this stage, but it was, it was just a sign. 30 seconds later, the final whistle goes, penalty shootout. So all the goals have been down my end. Yep, the penalty yep. shootout is down my end. Ah... Um, and a few of the Milan AC Milan players yeah. Shot themselves Pressure got to them Whatever um, Dudek did all his rubber legs yep. um, yeah, yeah. And we won the penalty shootout um, Which was just truly truly fucking awesome So we stayed in the ground for about half an hour Singing our lungs out um, And then you come out of the stadium Now remember the Ataturk Stadium Is in the middle of fucking nowhere <laughs> And you have no idea how you're getting back But there's a load <laughs> of buses There's right. just a thousand buses no there shit. Right Oh, get on one of these then! <laughs> uh, you have no idea where it's going, and you get in, you get get on the bus, and I was, I was the last fat bastard on, so I'm, the middle doors of are closed, and I'm peeled against, I'm <laughs> pinned against the door, um, and for the entire journey back, everybody just sang, just sang and sang and yep. sang and sang, um, and you start getting into the centre of Istanbul, and you don't know quite where you are, but you know you're in yeah. the centre of Istanbul. <laughs> the bus stops and you go, uh, okay, I'll get off and I'm see where friends. it takes me. I, I must be closer now. <laughs> yeah. um, and I stumbled across my hotel and it was all fantastic and back in and it was all great. Um, so the next day I'm leaving Istanbul, so back to the airport um, and I check in and go through customs and so on, find a bar in, the, in Istanbul airport. And on the TV, they're showing the game. And I think, I've got to watch this. I was there, but I've got to watch the replay. And figured out how Dudek made that save right at the end. Right. Um, And then all of a sudden, people start going, the Liverpool team's coming through. The Liverpool team's coming through. And say, oh, right. And people started running. Of
0: course.
3: Uh, So being the fish that I am, um, (laughs) I follow them and run and run and run. And we run down to some gate, airport departure gate, at the far end of the airport. And everyone's five deep. And the Liverpool team are walking through. And Igor Bishkan, who was a terrible footballer, but let's face it, there's a few players in that Liverpool team who have Champions League medals, who will be sitting down with grandchildren in the years to come, saying they were great, they were truly fucking awful. Um, Jimmy Traore, (laughs) Jose Igor Bishkan, anyway... Um, So Igor Bishkan's got the trophy and he leant back into the crowd to have a picture taken with the trophy. So I put my hand over and touched the Champions League trophy. That's fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. Um, So then flew back um, from Istanbul to Bahrain, this time Bahrain to Singapore, Singapore to Melbourne. Got back to Melbourne at seven o'clock on the Friday night. Um, My mum and my aunt and my wife are having dinner at Chikoni's in Crown, um, when it was still in Crown. So I'm still wearing my Liverpool colours. I'm ho- horses, as Diva. <laughs> still hammered. Um, still, still a little bit hammered. Walk into the restaurant. Hey, ah,
0: did you watch it? It's brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> All that stuff.
3: And we were served in Chaconis by a waitress that grew up on the same street as Jersey Dudek, a Liverpool goalkeeper. Right in an Italian what restaurant what the fuck what so it's just truly really awesome that? so there you go so,
1: and besides coming away with that story you've also come away with one of the most unique pieces of memorabilia yeah so in your pool room you've yeah. got
4: in your
3: jersey room yeah. so I've got a few bits of memorabilia mostly centred around soccer Um, Or football and um, I do appreciate you said soccer thanks for that (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I had this made up so when I was in Istanbul killing time on the Tuesday before the game and on the Wednesday morning um, there's lots of um, city marketing around it hosting the Champions League final and one of the things I bought for 10 euros was a plastic football which was about 12 centimeters round, 10, yeah. 10 to 12 centimeters round. And he cracked this plastic football open, and inside was a little Istanbul flag. So it's an Istanbul city flag with the right. motif for right. the Champions League, as if because they're hosting uh, the yeah. Champions League yeah. final, so with all the motifs. Yep. And it unfurls into about two and a half feet by one and a half feet. Right. Yep. So I had that, um, so, and I went and found a photographer that had taken professional match pictures. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so mainly the players celebrating and lifting the trophy. Yeah. Um, I've got my used match ticket and an un- my unused match ticket. Yeah, yep. Um For the professional photographs. A little plaque I had written in my Istanbul picture. So the whole thing measures about four feet tall and about three feet wide. It's a very, yeah. very big framed piece. But it's absolutely 100% unique. And yeah. front
4: and centre of the pool room as well. And the best thing is that when your mate from London comes over who didn't end up getting that ticket, i right. will be polishing the fuck out of that <laughs> every time that, you're about to play pool. There it is, right yeah. there. That's i we're like... going to play, take a shot. Hang on a second, a little mark on it. Uh, just, 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 just dust that little spot off there.
3: Yeah, so I talked to, you know, if, if you speak to my wife or my kids, they'll both admit that I think that was the greatest day of my life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, and, and I went for all the reasons that every Man United fan... That six years earlier had the opportunity to go to the Champions League final to see Man United against Bayern Munich in Barcelona, yep. and decided not to go. The reason yeah. I went to Istanbul is I didn't want to have a lifetime of regret <laughs> of yeah. not going.
4: And especially the way that game unfolded, like, uh, like uh, talk about fairy tales. Yeah, yeah, there's no if buts or maybes about um, debating if you're a true fan or not. If you have that story, yep. Like especially with the security risks that you were taking on just going to Turkey at that time.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and um, it's it's one of those games that I think now there's about half a million people that claim yeah. they were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I can I can't prove I was there, yeah. but I can show
4: you my match yeah. ticket. Yeah, and you um, can prove one person wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. That's right. so
1: what has your mate said? Like ever since, like cause obviously uh, he decided not to go for safety I, reasons.
4: I but. haven't spoken to him quite as
3: much. Maybe he's just <laughs> tried, maybe he's just tried to avoid it being rubbed in. But oh, the, this so. whole this whole thing about. Um, you know, it was the greatest day. It was a great day. Two years later, Liverpool got to the Champions League final again. Yeah. Um. And this time we were playing AC Milan again. Yeah. Um, and it was being held in Athens. So, you know, I've had the amazing experience last time. I've got to go again. Yeah. yeah. The problem is there were four million Liverpool fans that also thought... Well, I, I didn't go to didn't Spain, go last one, yeah. this yeah. one. So every one of them turned up in, in Athens. Damn. Um, and I, I went, got two tickets, paid a ridiculous amount of money over the odds, found a slightly ropey hotel. Um, I get there and it was, it was actually really uncomfortable in Athens. So the Turks had been absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, but whether it was the volume of Liverpool fans or whatever it was, but there was a desperation around getting tickets two years later. Yeah. So loads of Liverpool fans turned up without tickets. And the Greek police were starting to panic.
1: Well, All I'm saying is, like, you had a million um, Liverpool fans turn up in Greece. I think we found out why their economies failed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all those Scouse cans just nicking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing left.
3: Well, the, the odd thing was, the rob- Liverpool fans were starting to rob from each other. Um, yeah. Because there was that desperation to get tickets to the game. Yeah. So I was texting my brother, because I'd flown him the day before my brother, and I was texting him saying... Don't tell anybody you've got tickets. If anybody asks you, tell them you're hoping to get tickets here. But do not let on that you have tickets. Do not show anybody. Do not do anything with them. You have to keep it very, very quiet. So he gets there. Um, he had flown so, to...
1: So, sorry, you had already secured tickets before we, you got we, there. And
3: my brother had them. Right. right. So he was bringing them with him from England. So um, I got to Athens before him. He was flying to Athens via Barcelona, which is like doing two sides of a square. Yeah, right. Um, because, again, flights were difficult yeah, to get. Of course, yeah. Um, and we get there and we've had a beer and all the rest of it. we got inside. It's quite uncomfortable atmosphere. The stalls in the centre of... Whatever the main square is in in Athens, I can't remember now, um, were getting turned over and robbed. And it was very, very uncomfortable. Completely different atmosphere. Um, so we got a taxi out to the ground, did all the fan zone shit, and then he tried to get into the stadium. And the Greek police, um, as I say, were panicking. So they had riot buses lined up in a giant V to funnel every Jesus. Liverpool fan in. With all the full grills and every Greek cop is there with a uh, R- an automatic rifle, whether it's an AK forty-seven or right, and and golf yeah, or whatever. It doesn't diagonal, matter. <laughs> Diagonally across <Yeah>. their chest. <laughs> then they get on the speaker, and this is a crush. Then they get on the on the tanoy or the um, mouth tannoy yeah. and say, y- "If you have a ticket, hold your ticket up in your oh, right hand." Jesus. So you're like, this is stupid. Yeah hold your ticket or they'll pull you out and no t- they the tear gassed us and all kinds of shit early on Fuck. so you're holding up your ticket in your right hand and then all of a sudden you'd hear someone go Oi! That fucker's got my ticket! Yeah, of yeah, it's yeah, been of snatched course. out of course Yeah, so yeah, you get through and then because it's this funnel you start getting this crush and yeah 1985 High Soul disaster Lil- Lil- Liverpool fans know about this yeah. Liverpool fans yeah. died um, uh, not High Soul uh, obviously fans died but Hillsborough in um, earlier on in 81 or whatever yeah. it was um, 96 Liverpool fans have died in a crush they know what crushes are like this was geared towards a crush but I've always seen those things about Hillsborough or what happened at or in the Champions League final in 85 and thought I'm big enough and strong enough I'm not going to get crushed yeah, someone, yeah. someone next to me is going to get crushed yeah. but I'm big enough and strong enough okay. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a weak kid when this crush happened you're like fuck yep. me yep. it was genuinely painful and all of a sudden you're thinking oh I might be I'm, in a bit of trouble I've here I've got right? no
1: choice here yeah.
3: I might be in a bit of trouble and there's nowhere I can go Yeah. and as I say I was walking with my brother and all of a sudden we're 20 metres apart yeah. and we cannot get closer together yeah. um, you are physically feeling that crush you're being channelled in anyway manage to get through you find your seat you, you get there and you go thank fuck for that I'm in I still don't feel very comfortable you sit down you sit down in your seat But someone's already in my seat <laughs> sorry mate that's my seat Ah, no worries no worries mate I'll get the next one <laughs> there's three thousand fans yeah. that got in without tickets. Yeah. Equally, there's three thousand fans with tickets that are yeah, locked outside. Yeah. yeah. Um, but everyone's going through and going, "Is anyone sitting there, mate? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you get a fucking ticket? <laughs> like um, it's the last
4: row of the G or something."
3: Yeah. So it, it was just, and we obviously lost that Champions League final. Even though we played better than we did two years earlier, we lost this one two one. Um, but we were better than we had been two years earlier. And then getting out, you kind of go, I'm getting back, I'm getting out as soon as I can. And so as soon as the final whistle go, and we know we've lost, we're out, we're gone. There's thousands of people. We just just walked in the complete opposite direction to everybody else. And we're very fortunate, managed to hail a taxi and get back to a hotel. So whilst Istanbul was the most amazing experience of the lot, Athens was a really uncomfortable experience two years
4: later. You know, the
1: team was missing. Harry Kill.
4: He <laughs> was missing Harry Kill and yeah. his hairbands. Yeah. But maybe it's because, like, um, well, I'm just guessing, but in in general, I'd say people would be a bit more wary of um, messing around in Turkey than they would be about messing around in Athens. Yeah, I think there's probably some truth in that. Probably a better chance of getting chopped up and buried somewhere in <laughs> Turkey than, yeah, than in Athens. Well, Midnight so. Express, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, especially like, with if you get a, a buttload of scousers out there, like, if they give them a little inch and they were like, sweet. We're going to own this shit. And I imagine it being like the Irish fans following Conor McGregor around to fight. <laughs> so he, he
1: put up a compilation video just recently Did he? showing all the Irish fans all through Vegas. Damn. And it's like it's the same thing. It's, that's exactly what I was thinking of when you're talking about yeah. these things. Like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, It is just like a wave. And
4: even like it. you talk about the crush, lad, the best sort of situation where I can think I've been in like that was in a mosh pit for Rage Against the Machine. Right. And that was fucking insane. And like you said... You think you're a big person. You are you can be bigger than everyone around you, but you have no say in which way you're going and your feet are planted still because you can't step forwards, left, right, backwards. Yep. But your body is just listing all the way over to the right and the left and there's nothing you can do about yep. it. It's true. It's so true. And yeah, it's, it's a helpless feeling because you think like, I could at least do enough to be able to breathe. But even that is not particularly a choice. Well, I was struck, I was
3: certainly went through a period where in the crash getting into the... Stadium in Athens, where I was struggling for breath. Yeah, uh, and, and, and as, as I said, for for a brief moment, you're thinking, uh, "Oh, I'm in a little bit yeah, of trouble. Yeah. This is not good. This, this is, is out, not good. out of my hands. I'm, I'm yeah. going to panic a little bit now." Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that I think the the Turkish reputation against the Greek reputation may have been part of it. I think the number of Liverpool fans there, yeah, um, versus versus in Istanbul was a part of it. I yeah. think the the aggressive Greek police approach yep. was not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the behaviour of the Liverpool fans in general was worse in Athens than it was in Turkey. Yep. Turkey, everyone went with hope. Um, in Athens, everyone went with a more of a sense of entitlement.
4: Yeah, yeah. And um, I find, especially in that sort of group scenario where you've got a case of groupthink, uh, from my experience, generally, well, I've only most of my friends are Liverpool supporters, so any sort of have a football it's generally through Liverpool but it seems to be if you're reasonable to them they'll be reasonable back to you but they've got their own idea of how they're going to have fun and so if you push they'll push back kind of thing so if yeah. you're going to be really militarised with the police and say nah, we're not seeing it for nothing then they're going to definitely toe the line and push that but I remember when Liverpool had the it was only a friendly or whatever they had it in Melbourne but they ran amok through all the streets of Melbourne but there were no police saying oh, you can't be doing this I remember looking out the window when I was working in Crown Towers that day and like they say it was a sea of red. It was almost like, obviously literally because it was not a sea, but your streets were red. Like They were red the whole way through. But then the Mm -hmm. aftermath was nothing. They the game, had a good time, they went out, spent heaps of money and there was no really harm caused. But there wasn't any sort of concerted effort to try and contain or control or dictate what they could or couldn't do. And I think showing that general, uh, just a a baseline of respect respect, that we know you're going to be rowdy but this is what soccer is like, yeah. and we know what to expect if you go outside of that then yeah you're, some of you are going to be in trouble but you're free to have your your fun in the room of soccer which is what you come here to enjoy and I think that goes a long way with um, having if people do sort of fall out of line within that group there'll be someone there to pull them back in line and say hey what are you think, know, and how I how think doing and
3: I think generally Liverpool fans are really good at that yeah because
1: um, they know what happens when it goes. Yeah, off.
3: absolutely. And um, you know, it's a working class city, and and the uh, old, older, more traditional values that come come from that blue collar yeah. environment. Um, the challenge with um, with Athens was so many people were there and feeling desperate for a ticket. Yeah. More people were going to miss out on a ticket than than had yeah, a ticket. Yeah. So it, I think it led to. People behaving differently. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I was in Istanbul and I chat to other Liverpool fans, it was, "Wow, you've come such a long way. That's fantastic." Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Athens and chat to other Liverpool fans, it was, "You haven't been to any game this season. What the fuck are you doing with a ticket?" Right. Yeah. It yeah. was that level of resentment because yeah. I wasn't a season ticket holder anymore. I live in the, lived in yeah. Australia. Yeah. 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 Um. So what am I doing taking a ticket from one of them?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. I wonder if West Brom ever make the Champions League final. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I'd buy a ticket. I <laughs> <laughs> think I'll die wondering that one. Yeah,
3: I, I think it's unlikely. But you never know. You never know. Leicester City are up there now, right?
1: See, it's a, it's a good thing about being a Hawthorne supporter. If you miss out on grand final tickets, just hang around. Get, yeah, there's always next to There's always next to you, right? next, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll pull it back to gambling. Um, there was one thing you mentioned Um has anybody ever offered um, anything besides uh, cash for chips? <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> but the, the funniest thing is is that all this dodgy stuff usually happens on the cheapest games. Yeah,
1: of course it does.
4: So, <laughs> <laughs> doing the big wheel once, and so um, and the big wheel is obviously the chocolate wheel, or you want to call I, it.
1: I can't think of a a, a dodgy like, I don't know what, what's the word like like just, a more
3: carny game. Yes. Than, than Big more Wheel more it's the worst odds in the casino isn't it the
4: Big Wheel I think so yeah yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure you it is. I feel
1: like even if you win you should get a stuffed toy
4: yeah <laughs> but like, like there are people who have their systems for Baccarat where they'll keep score there are a few nut jobs that keep a system for the Big Wheel and they'll swear black and blue that it's going to pay of odds course. it's going to come up soon soon but anyway I remember this this one lady she's I think she's an old Chinese lady and she's not playing but she's over um, this is in Adelaide she's got her back to where the pokies are and she's sort of looking over. And in between like spins, she sort of comes over, just sort of looks around, sets back, and eventually, after maybe two or three spins, she comes over and she's like, Hey, hey, boy, boy. I'm like, yeah, What? Uh, no more bets? Uh, she's like, oh, don't worry. So, uh, in after I've paid my bets, hey, boy, boy. I'm like, What? I'll give you sex for chips. I'm like, What? She goes, I'll give you sex for chips. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, do I guess negotiate the price? <laughs> the
1: only way this story could be more pathetic is if you worked at a fish and chip shop.
4: <laughs>
0: or McDonald's. <the> uh, <laughs> or if they were training chips. <laughs> we well, had that
4: story. We, we had that we? story yeah, last story time. That, a lot of people yeah, did get sex yeah, the with the last chip. one. But the funniest thing was is that if you're going to try and, and work the Angle, you're better off being a waitress. Because there, there, right. there was this one waitress and she was stunning. Like just a knockout. Actually, I'll take a back a step. There used to be a, a bar manager who was head of crown. Yep. At the top. And so, yeah, he he hired hotties, and he actually got fired under a dubious circumstance as well. But he was actually a really good bar manager because he knew. Is it funny
0: how
1: those two go together?
4: Yeah, he knew when to when to just let let you go and just leave it. Yeah, and obviously, it's not hard to give someone a drink. So if you're good looking, you're probably gonna make more tips, which is good for everybody's working there, gets their spirits up, and whatever.
1: Uh, Mythbusters tested this, actually. Oh, really? Um, and uh, with, uh, what's her name, the redhead Carrie? Yeah. Is it Carrie? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Anyway, because um, she did it in a coffee shop. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, she tried it and then she patted her bra and see if bigger tits means bigger tips. And right. it turns out it does. Um, you will get more tips from men and even more from women. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, there I, mean, you go. I mean, it's a very small sample size, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyway
4: sorry Uh, continue these girls were good looking as well as having big tits (laughs) too so I mean they're probably sitting on a gold mine so you can understand why he'd be getting those people through the doors Um, but anyway uh, obviously for some of them they just want money and that's all they care about is tips money that's their complete goal and if they can hook up with a rich fucking gambler sweet don't (laughs) care that's it that's my my parents would be happy as fuck (laughs) and sorry this one chick she she was just a whore really (laughs) wasn't even all about the money but anyway She'd hooked up with a player who'd, who'd given her, allegedly, money. Well, actually, no, not allegedly. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. <laughs> well, actually, allegedly, and we'll, I'll get to that, um, giving her, her, her two grand for sexual favors. I'm guessing they fucked or something under some somewhere. But at one point, about two months later, this dude's wife comes in, and she's found out somehow. And so in the middle of the mahogany room, she's gone up to this waitress and approached her. And they're speaking Viet, so... Obviously, there's someone to translate what's going on, right? The place, and so this lady's yelling at her, going, "You fucking whore! You fucking slut! You fucked my husband! You know, he, you fucking slept with him for two grand! Like, didn't you admit it? Admit it!" She's like, "What? What? Uh, I don't know. I don't know." She's like, "What do you mean you don't know?" She goes, "I haven't checked my bank account." <laughs> 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 and we were just like, "Wow." <laughs> There's
1: someone who's yeah. either got incredible balls or just
4: no... Or dumb as fucking <laughs> um dog shit. Yeah. Dumb as just dog just shit. no awareness whatsoever. But just the fact that... Hang on a second. Yes, I slept with your husband, but for two grand, I'm not sure yet. Like, I'm still <laughs> waiting for the payout on this one. say
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's only one thing that's uh, in contention there. Yeah. But a- any other dodgy waitresses, waitress stories?
4: Um, oh, There's always plenty. I can't think on top of my head, but i got plenty. Okay, oh, know the other thing is that... Like, because you talk about the high rollers and they get like that life of being treated to everything and whatnot. Um, and what p- people don't know is that a big thing for casinos is trying to get interstate players. Because generally, in each casino, there's one per state except for Queensland. We've got a couple. Yeah. Um, Sydney's going to have a couple soon. Um, but it's in a
3: bit of bother, isn't it? The Bangaroo or Bangalore or whatever it's uh, called? I don't
4: even know. I haven't kept a date with it. But I know they're originally trying to keep it for... Internationals, which was never going to be the long term, I think they were going to put it in there, try and bleed uh, star dry from their high rollers, and then just buy them out and take over the whole market. Um, whether it works out or not, I, yeah, I think I'm the date's really been sure. put back, certainly. It's not yeah. quite
3: going to schedule. And it's like the Asturk Stadium.
4: Yeah. <laughs> That's not like build it and they will come. It seems yeah. like it's <laughs> yeah. built it nowhere. they they rock up. And especially a lot of his politics, grease in the right palms, yeah. and that sort of stuff, and that goes a long way. But um, I was yeah. in, you talk about grease in the right palm, I
3: was in vegas the day the venetian opened oh yeah and yeah. we were stood outside waiting for it to open and there's a few other oi polloi guests there it's supposed to open at 11 o'clock at night wouldn't it
1: be great if the opening they just pulled a string and the blinds they just can <laughs> just come up there venetian venetian blinds. Blinds? thank you yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um it's supposed to open at 11 o'clock and sophia loren was walking around but we were all the minions behind the um the barricades and it was two o'clock in the morning when it finally opened and the story was that at the last minute the um Fire certificates had been revoked, <laughs> um, and they needed to pass a, lot of, a couple of last-minute tests wow. to get the fire certificate.
1: It's amazing they can get those last-minute tests done. Yep.
4: You know, yeah. at, at that hour. Yeah, especially the union run them test too. <laughs> I
3: don't think you know a casino like that three hours it's going to open three hours late because someone's forgotten to bring the
4: chairs in or something Yeah, like. yeah. exactly. Or yeah, one of the fire alarms didn't have batteries in it. Yeah. Gu- guys,
1: did we, did we buy cards? Who's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Did we, did laughs> got the cards? he has got
3: the keys? <laughs> <laughs> Where'd I put the fucking keys? <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so if you're an interstater, like, it's a big thing to get interstate people into your casino because the locals are your bread and butter. They've got no other casino to go to. So if they yeah, go to the casino, bet. they go into yours. So that's why they offer uh, commission play chips to um, interstaters. But one way to exploit this for anyone actually listening is that if you deposit 10 grand into a casino account, they'll give you the works treatment for the first time you do that. Like they'll pick you up with a limo from the airport, have champagne, give you a really nice room, treat you out to dinners and drinks and everything, hoping that you dump that 10K. But there's no obligation for you to spend a cent over the tables. So if you want to get that treatment for just a once-off and you've got a spare 10K sitting around, <laughs> say, yeah. Yeah, all you got to do is deposit into account and they'll give you the whole works treatment. You won't get away with it twice because obviously <laughs> after you burn them once, they're going to like, all right, he's not giving a shit. But it is a way that they're willing to get put that out weekend. there in the hope that they're going to have a new player that's going to go in. And for them, the real outlay isn't a whole lot. Like no. Cost of a tank of gas and you know some meals that uh, pretty much they're making back in the rent, whatever they charge in silks and cocoa anyway. Way. Say, and
1: the upside is, you know, they'll do that to, let's say, 50 players that don't spend the money. Yeah. And then they'll get one who covers. And all makes it all up,
4: yeah. And, yeah. A- another way is that you don't let a Mr. X just slip through the cracks yep. and not know who they are as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's very a big part of that to do with it.
1: God, I wonder, you know, who was responsible at that time if they're still there. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the first year or whatever when um, Mr. X was running around.
4: yeah. I'm not actually sure, to be honest. Yeah. But I know he was really, really not impressed with the treatment he got when he walked in that door. All the big
1: gamblers um, tend to be male. Is there any big female gamblers that come in on their own or, or not, you know, like uh, Barbie, you know, with a husband and that kind of stuff? Or is yeah. it just, it is just literally, it's, it's a, a man's game?
4: Generally, it's the men, but there are a couple of females. I remember this one chick from Malaysia. She was Chinese Malay and... I'm not sure what the prefixes are for someone who's um, uh, like, you know, they've got Mr. And Mrs. And you've got doctor and you've got yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. For them, there's one called Datto, which is someone, I'm not sure what it means, but apparently someone who's rich and above you in the caste system. and Right. Yeah. But generally it's reserved for men. But this woman, she wanted to be known by that. It was Datto, whatever her name is. I think like, there's a female one and a male one, but she wanted to be known by the male one whatever. Okay. And um, she'd come in with a couple of guys that weren't her husband, obviously work associates, and, but the thing is, she was the, she was a cunt. She was <laughs> flat, the fucking worst because she'd have maybe six people betting at a table. And the thing is, usually you have a table minimum for these people. So you can't bet anything less than 25K up yep. to a maximum of 600K or whatever. But you can get um, personal limits. So if they got a friend come along who doesn't have much cash, they just want to bet a hundred bucks hand, and they get a little plaque in front of them that says personal limit. So the a balance. can look down and see that they, they got their own limit. They look on the um, computer, what box it sitting in, who they are and they can piece it all together and understand why that sort of thing is going on but for the supervisors it all gets put under one card because these people aren't the um, the card holder and the person who's not in there so they don't have a program set up for them and because they're playing commission play chips they have to um, associate each bet with whoever the card holder is with the CP chips Yeah. and so once a hand's done they've got to add up all the bets into one bet in order to enter into the computer because the rest of people don't have cards because yeah, they're yeah. sort of there as, as friends or whatnot and so Obviously, it takes time to add up, you know, 52,700 plus fucking, you know, 1, 1,200 whatever and whatever it is. And it might take, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. They can look at it. And so, as a dealer, generally, when they're losers, you'll pull them off the layout and put them just in front of you until the supervisor, you know, will give you a little yep, right, or yep. whatever and put them in. It's just sort of courtesy of just teamwork. That's what it is, you know. It makes their job easier. makes your job easier. It all works out fine. But she was just not having that at all. Yeah. Just not. Why you do that? It's offensive. Why, you know, I lose the bet and you pull it up there to see how much I lose. I'm like, we're, we're seeing how much you lose so we can give you back your commission. Like that's, yeah. that's what you're trying to get. Anyway, one of the Supervisors, Mario, he was fucking champ. Um, it wasn't champ. The he, champ. he wasn't, it wasn't champ. The champ he, was he was a, a champ. champ. Yeah. He was bald. So obviously he just shaved his head because he's got a receding hairline. Right. This lady, she's pretty thin on top too. She's like, I want you to leave. And he's like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she'll bold. You're bad luck. I fucking hate bald people. <laughs> <We're> like, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, dude next to us bald. Another was bald, and we're like, just surrounded by bald people. Man, we're like, what the fuck? Well, there's a problem. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why she was, America, was running bad. Was yeah. But the funny thing was that after that, I got to come in on a day well, I didn't get her to come in, but she came in yeah, on a day yeah. by herself, where I could just talk to her, just one on one. Yeah. So eventually, I got around onto my side. I was sort of like, you know, and these people just want to have their ego stroked. Yeah. And so I was telling her, I said, look, you know. You lose him, but you actually playing really well. Like if you look at the uh, the score, and you look at what you bet. You bet the right bet, just didn't turn out for your you know your way. You know you showed heart. She's like, oh okay, yeah. And so then uh, friends come in. Yeah, I lose him, but I show heart. I got that straight from Phil Ivy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: like
1: you said, you just recycle the jokes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I
3: play. There's no. Famous people, obviously, thin on the ground that I've played against at my stakes. But I did spend a few hours on the same table as Sunil Gavaskar's wife last year. Oh, okay, And she was yeah. absolutely delightfully oh, yep. lovely. Guaranteed it. Yeah, she was yeah. fantastic. She was lovely. Um, she was obviously well made up and so yeah. on. And she's just burning time. She enjoys playing poker. She doesn't need the cash or anything. Yeah, she's yeah. doing it for the competition. Yeah, oh, there you go. Um, what'd have, what'd have and thought? eventually she let on that she was married to a cricketer because it was during... Whatever, whoever was over here at the time, whether India or, Son of Kavasko was commentating, so it wasn't necessarily India. Yeah, Um, and she was awesome. And then she let on who her wife, who her husband was. Then she started talking, sharing stories about um, being with Bradburn and the boardroom at Adelaide and so on. She was fantastic. She was just the type of woman you would love to be your mother. Yeah, you know, she was delightful,
4: and and especially with people who come from that world. Generally, it's the other way around, you know. Yep. They just, they've just they already had that sort of 10, 15 years of conditioning of you can get away with being a cunt. Yeah. Yep. So,
1: I don't know why, but when you said Sonal Gavaskar's wife, I automatically thought, I bet you she's the perfect lady. Yeah, yeah. she, just, she just
4: was. She was, absolutely. For some reason, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of Indian players like that. Uh, it's only... The corrupt ones that seem to be cunts. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> legit, legit ones seem to be alright. Even the Pakistanis were the same. Imran Khan, you know, it's pretty hard to hate that bloke, isn't it? Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. he done good things for their communities and whatnot. I mean, I haven't kept up to date with it, yeah, but I, I know he's a politician and yeah, a long-term politician. It seems like he's the not only only non-corrupt <laughs> politician that's going around there. Even that, you know, might not be yeah, true. So it's, I a, it's a low bar. Could be relative. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, as son of Afghanistan's wife, you just felt that she was. Um, very old-school, c- colonial British-type yep. yeah, yeah. Indian lady. Like old Maharaj or something. Yeah. <laughs> she, um,
1: she's seen some shit. <laughs> yeah. She will have seen some shit, yeah. She, she yeah. knows where the good times are. I remember
4: seeing the doco on the old Maharaj palaces um, in India about how they still keep their British heritage, even with the menu. Like The menu is the right. same that was from back when... Um, I don't even know what the story was, the history of, of India... Um, but they've kept like this sort of colonial British um, it's almost like romanticism about yeah, certain yeah. areas and certain buildings where they well, maintain, heritage, maintain you know. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
3: that's the same exists in Singapore or in Hong Kong as well. Yep. So went to the Tiffin Club, which is a, a curry house or curry restaurant, Indian restaurant. Oh, Tiffin in is those things yes, only, yeah. They? yeah, yeah that's so right. yeah. Tiffin's for carrying curries. Yeah, yeah. And the Tiffin Club is a curry restaurant in Raffles Hotel in Singapore. Oh, really? Um, and it's just sure. you know, it's it's cl- very colonial English. You have thick yep. white cotton, five hundred threads, yep. Egyptian cotton tablecloths, and yep. silver cutlery, and incredibly attentive service, and so on. So basically, but
1: their version of TGI Fridays. <laughs>
3: their version of TGI Fridays. But for me, it's the cheapest way I could get some Raffles eating experience. Yes, as yeah, well. yeah. So <laughs> it was eighty bucks or something. I'm going. Yes, <laughs> win win. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, that was after I played poker there, so... Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the cheapest way to do you it. You thought, if someone's going to blow it out my ass, at least I'm going to get something for you. <laughs>
1: um, you remind me when you just talking about people that you meet over the table. Um, there's... Uh, when I was in Sydney, um, online poker, it, 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 it was fun when it started, but you, you miss the, the banter and stuff yep, like yeah, that. And yeah, that's yep. what you're really looking forward to is yeah. fun. Well chips as, in hand. Yeah, and it, if you... Um, you know you want to fill the cards and, and yep. see them like that and it's the when you see somebody across the table and read about but yep. more of you just you want to have fun yep. um, so I actually because um, I, I wanted to play home games but I didn't know hardly anybody in Sydney and all the people that I met through working at the video store and that kind of shit um, weren't interested <laughs> and what, have...
3: what about the guy that liked Pokemon <laughs> yeah
1: you know, I, I wasn't prepared to go all in with that so, anyway, I actually went to, uh, there was like uh, homepokergames.com.au or some shit like right. that. You try and find games. And I remember, like, I found one, you know, in the next suburb over, and I was in uh, Parramatta in these days. Um, I remember the first time I went there, I took, you know, like 40 bucks cash and emptied out all my, you know, uh, credit cards and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I thought, let's just find out what it's like. So, no, they're just, they're guys like me, yeah, and yeah. just looking for fun. So, um, and through that, I met a, f- a few guys that uh, I kept up. Playing poker with for years. Um, and one in particular, you know, one of my good mates, Billy. Um, and Billy was uh, uh, mid 30s. Uh, so I was mid 20s. He was a mid 30 um, Turkish Muslim father of three. And I got on with him like a house <laughs> on fire. Um, so, and I still talk to Billy um, today. Um, but some of the times, like, he, he was the guy that. Um, uh, was always there to, if the table wasn't having fun, he'd try and make the table have fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah It didn't matter if it cost him money to do it. It's like, everyone's going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, you, you do stupid things like, there was one hand where, um, you know, uh, you like, raise blind, pre-flop. Straddle. Pre-flop. It's, it started, with, I think it might have even started with a straddle. And he goes, like, yeah, I'm blind, don't worry about it. I haven't even seen my cuts. So then he's, uh, he's raised blind, pre-flop. I'm like, okay, Billy, yeah, that's, that's pretty game. And then, he's decided uh, somebody else has come out and betting he goes I'll call you blind I'm like, All <laughs> yeah. right. we're only playing uh, I think 50 cent dollar so yeah. he's up to like 6 or 7 bucks at this stage and then the flop comes he goes I'm going to check blind and someone goes oh well, I've got to bet out he hasn't looked at his hand now he goes fold <laughs> so fold he's straddled raised called and folded blind
0: <laughs> he at him, he's can you like, get his
3: number
2: I've got a seat for him <laughs> He just did it because that's the story. It was, was he the waitress or the rap
4: cards?
1: It was at his house too, so it's not like he was in danger or anything like that. or trying to get back. He just said, "This is the story I'm going to get,"
4: yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, because. There's those sort of stories. You remember, you don't remember the. Yeah, I raised you know, two bucks and folded them yeah, Let's
1: say, it, let's say it cost him fifteen dollars. Yeah, you get.
3: you've got, 50, got much
4: more than fifteen dollars worth of value.
1: I've got more than fifteen dollars yeah. worth of value. Added. I was yeah. just sitting
4: at the table. Especially at home games is when you get a lot of these stories as well. Yeah, you
1: do the stupid things yeah, like that. And,
4: yeah. yeah, like the way we do calls with no cards at all. <laughs> I've seen people bluff. Yeah,
0: and
1: they go, "Oh, actually, I I, I folded pre flop." Yeah. Like, well, mate, you earned it. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. yours.
4: <laughs> Take the winnings.
1: There was once, uh, Dunks, you and I were playing at uh, at Crown once that I remember, um, and this was after you'd gone through your initial stages and you started to actually understand what was going on. So, um, and I remember uh, you and I were sitting together and, um, and we're you know surveying and we always like to post boredom and talk about you know yep. should, should I've done that on turn? And in this one particular hand, I think we might have been the blinds um, and everyone else has folded, and it's, so it's just you versus me, and we're like, wow, well, you know, I'm not trying to take your money, I don't yeah. really care. So the flop's come out, whatever, and we're going, oh, check, check. And then I think, check the turn before it's even been dealt. And the river's come out there, and I've actually hit a hand. And I remember I thought, well, I can't check it turn, down. I
3: can't turn over a yeah. nutty hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. got a mate hand,
1: Yeah, I, I, I can't do it. Because that, I mean, it already looks pretty dodgy. Yeah, <laughs> So um, I thought, I've got to do something here. But we can't table talk either. So the conversation went like this. You go, uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> check, bet, call. Cool. Straight, cunt. (laughs) (laughs) No idea what you had, but it was it was worth. I I probably had a third pair. No, you had nothing, because you said later on, I paid ten bucks just so I could call you a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, the office still stands, by the way. (laughs) It is an old
4: maxim where you're not playing with each other, but you yeah. yeah, not necessarily playing against each
3: other. Uh so I've certainly went through a few years of this where you'd if you end up heads up with a mate, you'd soft play it. Yeah. So it's not it's brutal not collusion. collusion, but it's yeah. certainly soft play each other. Um the problem was the longer I've played there the more people I know at Crown. <laughs> and then the more people I end up soft playing. And it you just kinda got a bit silly. So I I went full circle and now I play... I've you're been like, very upfront with everybody. Yeah. I play as if you anybody else. If I bluff you, so be it. I'm not going to make promises well, not to bluff here. Yeah.
1: Otherwise you. Otherwise, you're soft playing with the entire table. What yeah. are you doing? All,
4: that's, all that's, I'm doing is giving money a crown. Yeah. That's always yeah. say. If if you've met them at the casino, they're not considered friends, like in that sense where if you only know them in that gambling sense, it's all fr- on the table. Like yeah. You're free to you know yeah, well, pick each other's pockets. That's what it's all, the games. all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if if it's mate, the old mate you grew up with and went went known since year three, generally I still soft play against yeah. them. You know what I mean? If you happen to be at the same table. Well, I mean,
1: if we were playing chess. And you know you're still gonna set a trap. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. that's what the game is.
3: Yeah. No, I'm certainly no, no more soft play. And all my friends uh, I play with now, know it's it's full on. I'm if I'm if I'm three betting you, I might be doing it light or I might be doing it nutty. Yeah. yeah. It's not always it's just gonna be with aces.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. There's uh something else funny we used to do at our home games. Like when you we know, were playing small limits. You know, like I said, fifty cents dollar. Um. And uh, occasionally, you know, if you've got a bad run of hands, you you can be sitting there for a long time just folding away. So you'd always do things to keep yourself entertained. And we started betting on an all-red or an all-black flop. Yeah. So we called it Africans and Indians because, you know, we're – Racist cuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it got to the point where um, a bit like high stakes poker, where they're um, magic cards, or what, what you call that prop. You know that prop bet where you got you, your card.
3: Yeah. So uh, on the on the flop. On the flop. So yeah, I, yeah. I play that at home games. Mine's yeah. The king of hearts, right? So the king of hearts right. comes on the flop. Everyone I'm playing against has to give me five bucks. Right. If there's another king on the turn, it has yeah. to be ten. If there's a third king on the river, it has to be twenty.
0: Right.
1: Um, but if you remember high stakes poker, the first season. It almost ruined the game. Yeah, well it did. That's all. Because they were Greenstein
3: and Negrano and so on were keeping score and more yeah. con- more interested in Elliot Lesra. Yeah. yeah. Elia Lezra, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So
1: our Africans Generous. and Indians game, it got you know, it was first it was me and Billy again. We just, you know, keeping ourselves entertained, we're betting a dollar, you know, each time. And if it was an all red flop, then it doubled. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, somebody else gets, Oh, I wouldn't even this. You know, like the next week. Yeah. And then once I think I had like four people playing Africans and Indians. Yeah. And we're like Jesus Christ, mate. all right, I'm playing with everyone. You've got no fucking choice. Everyone, I'm on red <laughs> and I come up black. I'm like, right, I'm paying all your fucking double. I'm never playing again. <laughs> I've never played it again. Never. Um, so that was, I don't know, let's say 2005. Um, so about eight or nine years later, I've gone back down to uh, the crown poker room. It is now offered of the tables. Not anymore. It's gone oh, now. It's gone it's now. now. Flop chase. Oh,
3: really? Flop chase, yeah. Oh, um, so they're paying seven, seven to one. Seven, seven to one on a, you could bet an all red or an all black flop. Yeah. Oh, okay. I
1: couldn't believe it that they'd offer that dodgy shit there. So I actually took a photo of it and sent it to Billy and said, we should have patented this shit.
3: Yeah. So I posted a couple of pictures of stacks occasionally on 2 plus 2 and that's been in the background. Yeah, go, what and the pe- people have gone, holy shit, you can bet on the flops?
4: Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know for some, I know on right definitely, the betting between um, players, uh, like that's called insurance betting, especially when you're trying to um, more or less cover your own spread. So you start... Selling off your stake of winning. So let's say you've got uh, a total of six on the hand that you're playing, and the other player's got a a four or something. You'll say, "Look, um, I'll give you three to one odds that I get seven, eight, nine, or something like that." So that you might have five hundred bucks on there, and they've got you know twenty bucks or whatever. And so you'll start softening their odds, but obviously getting um, covering your spread. Did I explain that right? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, if you get my gist. And so that's what they'll have on the tables, those signs in all different languages saying you're not allowed to insurance bet because that's what would happen was that people would be squeezing the cards and they'd be doing their side betting for longer than they're actually squeezing the cards. And so all the betting action would happen on the side betting, not actually people betting on the table. So it wasn't getting raked. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of times you're holding up this game for ages and they're betting like five times as much more just on their own little side bets because they find that more fun than actually putting it on the table and just yeah. losing the casino.
1: We used to have a lot of those little side bets, wasn't it? If you won I a hand, love
4: those a hand, yeah, side it cost bets. me a fucking fortune. <laughs> you six three. Win... <laughs> Win a
3: hand with six three was for ten bucks. Um, crack aces, or crack aces, delta aces. Yes. or get aces.
1: Yeah, and now there's something interesting that came out of that too, because that was I remember one time we're at uh, playing at Crown, and uh, you had that look where you know if you got dealt aces, it was ten bucks. Yep. That's right. And I remember you got dealt aces and, you know, did your betting as well. Um, and then it got to, you know, you won without showdown. Yeah. And um, you went, oh. I said, no, if you show one player, you've got to show everyone. Yeah. And duncan I got aces. Okay, go, don't show. It's all right. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And, and you were like, really? Wait, you just
0: <laughs> gonna, we'll
1: take your word for it. And i have always said that's how our poker players, I can trust like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's it's so um, relieving. Uh, it's, uh, and I got that from the home games in Sydney that we, we had that trust it like okay that's what it is I, yeah. I don't need to question it it's just and they'd never well their thing was always I'd never um, if they went back on it that's just bad karma and you don't want to yeah. you know, um, anger the karma gods at the poker table
3: it was the same as winning a hand with 6-3 right yeah, you, yeah. If, you, if you could push someone off with your 6-3 you never had to show it yeah um, but um, at a poker table whilst it is a game of deception I genuinely believe that people inherently tell the truth yeah. yeah. So if you, you say sh- to someone, "Did you have it?" and they say, "Yes," I believe you, yeah. um, because I, th- I think instinctively people want to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, so if you ask someone about their hand and they give, and they say something positive about their hand, um, it's it's a very reliable tell. I know
1: yeah. I, I got caught out once um, at a again at a home game with some other guys where um, you know I made a big bet and somebody um, was thinking about calling it and they've asked. Oh, you know, will you show me? You know, if I fold, will you show me? Yeah. And I've gone, yeah, of course I will. And a couple of other players who are a little bit more experienced yeah. have gone, yeah, as long as you fucking fold, he'll show you. Don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Just fold. He yeah. wants you to fold. Just yeah. fold. Yeah,
4: yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: so I, I had to, uh, so now I've got a little thing. I, I always say whenever that happens, he no matter what you have, I want you to fold.
3: See, the, the, uh, the other best response I've heard to that is, will you show me if, I've, if I fold? Will, will you show me if I fold? and um the, the, the one or two other responses is, "I might not show you even if you call <laughs> <laughs> or, or or the other one that puts it puts the on back, how would you like me to answer that question Yes yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah, or you could
1: go what would which one would your friend choose yeah the old uh, you know that old
3: double uh, double double, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, I reckon we've got time for one more. you got one more story you want to pull out Shit, of the no. uh, yeah
3: I know. Whilst, whilst you're reading through that i'll um it's not a personal story I was involved with but one of my biggest frustrations watching poker on the telly now yep. is some players take an inordinate amount of time to make a decision yep. and they are online yep. players so yep. they are used to making decisions in 10-15 seconds. T- yeah. yeah. seconds every time but it comes through a live environment and they go through their fucking ritual that goes on and on and on and Yevgeny Timoshenko is one that is horrifically notoriously slow and yep. um, and it was last year, or the year before, two years ago, or three years ago, he entered into the 100K tournament. And just as he sat down, he, he realised that the 100K tournament was a shot clock tournament. Ah. So you had to make a decision in 30 seconds every time. Um, he tried to deregister himself. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And he was told, tough shit. You registered, you can't deregister yourself. And then he won it. Yeah. Oh, so you kind, of, you kind of go... Yeah, this if there is any show of t- time you take is purely unnecessary, totally
1: yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I remember like was saying it's different if you're going through in your head like the history of okay, he did that on that hand, that hand on that street, he did that, and this is a couple of possibilities. Or if you're thinking, should I call? Should I call? I think I should call because there's yeah. there's difference between the two. One yeah, is just fundamental difference. You're not doing anything. The other one is you're actually thinking.
3: Well, the other one is people say you, you can see some people that they've got a decision to make and they're going one. Well, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. they're counting up to 20 before they fold fuck you
0: motherfucker
1: (laughs) especially if you're paying a fucking time charge the the level's going
3: up or the other one people bet the river even the levels I play people bet the river and they get check raised and they sit there for 30 seconds waiting for the dealer to say you're out of time before folding I know within half a second they're folding Yeah, and they know within half a second they're folding yeah. but they're just trying to sh- save face there yeah. is no face yeah. to save just fold your fucking hand exactly, exactly. It do-
1: and it, it's stupid trying to save face too because no matter how quickly you fold you are folding you are still folding we know you got caught yeah. Like, yeah. everyone knows you got caught it yeah. doesn't change if it takes you 20 seconds to fold or, or one second to fold
3: yeah.
4: yeah,
1: we all know the same result
4: yeah and I, I find you're like you said if you wait there and you're sitting there, you can tell when someone's waiting to fold because of the way they act yeah. they're not yeah. sitting there working. you can tell when someone's calculating and when someone's just chewing up time And the thing is, I find it's almost like more valuable if you can fold in the reasonable same amount of time that you would call or do anything else. And I think those little idiosyncrasies you have to be aware of at the poker sale because I think people pick up on them.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Georgia Love from Everyone Has an X, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, 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 everyone. Adhere to what we're being told to do all around the world at the moment and stay home. The only way we're going to get through this whole crazy time in our lives is by doing whatever we can to help this virus stop spreading so we can all get back to our normal lives as soon as possible. And that is by staying home. So while you're home, you're probably looking for some things to do, maybe something to listen to. So can I suggest the podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno? It is the funniest podcast that has ever been made and possibly ever will be made. If you haven't listened to it yet, do yourselves a massive, massive favour. I'm jealous if you're getting to binge it from the start now because I've already listened to it before. But it's so good. um, You're welcome. And obviously, everyone has an ex as well. (laughs) Stay safe and well, guys.
4: Where your demeanour when you're giving people a chance to Observe you when they know you're going to fold, will give away a tell that might be there in like a 10 second frame where they're trying to figure out if you got it or not, and then you might be bluffing, you know, on after the river or something after flop or something like that.
1: Tell you one more story about um, running poker, we might wrap it up. We're getting getting up there. Um, I used to run one of the pub pokers um, as a bit of uh, cash on the side um, when I was living in Sydney, and I was running in this one pub. Um, and there was a particular player one, on this one occasion. He was a middle-aged uh, Kiwi, um, and his wife was sitting next to him at the table. So these are essentially free entries, but you can win drinks and yeah. points that go into yeah. Win a uh, meat tray or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can win tickets to the World
4: Series if you know out of yeah. all the Sydney
1: and all that kind of. Game. Anyway,
4: you're the best free roller in the country. <laughs> yeah, something like that.
1: Um, so anyway, you know, on this one particular hand, I'm watching it because we're not allowed to deal, but I'm watching to make sure everything's kosher um, some, uh, a new player with a big stack has just moved to their table we've closed the table he's just moved in and he has the big stack um, so it's come around you know and he's, he's bet pre-flop and uh, our Kiwi friend he's called um, and like I said his wife's sitting right behind him um, and that's important later uh, uh, flop comes another big bet from the big stack he's called him again turn same thing and then on the river the big stack's gone all in And uh, this uh, uh, Kiwi gentleman, he's had a few beers by the stage, so he goes, he's got nothing. He's bluffing. I know he's bluffing. Mm. He's got nothing. He's got absolutely nothing. I call. And he took that amount of time. I go, okay, good call. Turned over his hand. He had 10-7. Hadn't hit.
3: What? It was good.
1: And it was good. Whoa. (laughs) All right? Now, the reason his wife was sitting next to him was to tell him what cards he had because he was 100% blind. Oh, no shit. As in, could not see, had never seen, had a guide dog and a cane. Jesus, and he goes, Christ. "It's the best call I've ever seen." Even though it was uh, a free roll, yeah. But he's called with ten high, the bluff on the big stack. Um, oh, he he went in to win that night, and I, I think I bought him a beer anyway because I thought, "Yeah, man, that's that's fucking impressive." Very <laughs> <You're
0: already>
1: blind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that might wrap it up. Then we're yeah, we're up there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, thanks that. again.
4: My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks de- gentlemen. De- degenerate dunk, dunk, dunks. <laughs> <Sorry> <laughs> you. Yep. All right, cheers. Cool.
0: With
2: Charles Sturt University, you don't have to put your future on hold. Get qualified for tomorrow's jobs at Australia's most experienced online uni. From short courses to full degrees. Call 1 800 275 278 today.